Welcome, dirty peasants, to episode 33 of Wartwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This week we'll be covering Amphibia Season 3, Episode 9, Froggy Little Christmas. I'm your host, Thumbaticon, and joining me today, we have... Pickle. Hey. Rad. Sup. Lemur. Hello. And Nick. Hey, guys. So, thanks, guys, for coming on tonight. So, <laughs> we're... I don't want to say officially... Well, we are officially in the hiatus. For who knows how long. Uh, there weren't really any news this week, other than the crew just, like, messing with us at the end. Yeah, <laughs> and hyping... And hyping this episode. Which it deserves. Right. And I guess I guess we can go into like the episode right now, right? Yeah, I don't think there's yeah, I don't think there's pretty much anything else that we could talk about in the preliminary. So yeah, I think it's safe that safe to say that we can go ahead and start uh, discussing. Okay, we'll we'll get into that. So let me pull up the credits for this episode. Okay, so we have Froggy Little Christmas, directed by Jen Strickland, Kyler Spears, and Roxanne Cole, written by Adam Colas and Geneva Mai, storyboards by Alex Swanson, Silver Paul, Eddie West, and Drew Applegate. So I'm just pulling up the episode so I <laughs> can see what's going on. We get the we get a little festive version of the intro. Uh, it's just like like one of those like filters or just Christmas lights everywhere and glowing glowing balls on the screen. <laughs> and uh, and also the return of the violins from the first two intros of the season. Right. So, like, the segment starts off at the planner house, except now it's all decorated with Christmas decorations. Uh, like, Anne's mom is just... Sorry, Mrs. Boonchoy is just, like, throwing decorations on everywhere. We get a, we get to see Domino with that, like, cute Santa costume. Uh, and then, like, the planners don't know what's going on, so they have to ask Anne, and then Anne... Explains that it's like Christmas, it's like a, one of Earth's biggest holidays, and then right before she can elaborate further, uh, they get a call from City Hall or uh, the Christmas like parade organizers saying that they had a leftover spot opening, le- leftover spot available for uh, Tai Go to like have their own float. And while this was a dr- that's this has always been a dream of Mrs. Boon Choice, she like politely turns it down because she doesn't want she she wants to keep a low profile for the planners and yeah she just turns down the offer which uh upsets Anne and Mr. Boonchoy so then we just get like a quick gag of what happened last like their holiday card and Mr. Boonchoy's quest to get the perfect family photo for the holiday card and then eventually, 
uh, yeah, he fails the flash, and then Anne immediately takes the planets to her room, calls the organ, the calls the parade organizers, and changes the answer to yes, they are gonna have a float. And she explains that like this was always Mrs. Boonchoy's dream. She wants, she's tired. She doesn't want. She she knows all the sacrifices her parents made and wants to give this give this Christmas gift to them. And the players, of course, are on board with this. Oh, and then Sprig still wants to know the true meaning of Christmas, but then like Anne immediately like stops him there because they have to prepare. Uh so right when the planners like right right when the planners and Anne like are committed to this cause, we cut back to Amphibia. And we see Andreas's we see Newtopia Castle floating in the sky with some more with like a larger army falling behind him, like new air aerial vehicles, I guess. Uh the triple B explain that uh the their army is almost ready for the invasion their invasion prep is almost ready and it's under budget too. And then Andrus asks why they're all wearing elf elf outfits. And then that's when they mentioned that Marcy actually explained the, the Christmas holiday and how it's coming up. But Andrus forgot about that. But then keeping in with Christmas tradition, the Triple B had a gift prepared for Andrus. We get that long gag of... Uh, I forgot which of the newts this is, but he just like drags the gift across like the throne room and then up the stairs for Andreas. We find out it's basically a drone for <laughs> and equipped with a controller and VR goggles. So Andreas, uh, it's a new model that they were working on. They just need to do some testing before they can approve it for mass production. And Andreas thinks the best way to test it out is by attempting or hoping he can kill Anne by sending this like sending this new Frobo model through the portal with him controlling it. And then we get like it cuts away from him just like Jolf like happily like shooting at the news. <laughs> cuts back to Earth. We get our first uh we we get to hear Rebecca's Rebecca Sugar's uh Christmas song that she wrote for this episode. Uh, the planners visit the IT girls, Allie and Jess, for some help setting up the parade float. Uh, the planners ask about uh, the true the meaning of Christmas, and this is when they give kind of a more uh, the more materialistic aspect of Christmas about like gifts and trees. And Sprig realizes that he has to get a gift for Anne. And then, after that, they make their next stop, which is at the uh, museum, where they ask Dr. Jan for uh, some decorations. And then while Anne's collecting the decorations, uh, Hop-Hop asks Dr. Jan about Christmas, and that's when she gives a long and probably historically accurate uh, history of Christmas itself, dating back centuries. So then, just before the planners die of boredom, Anne comes back to pick them up. Uh, we get to hear another verse of the Christmas song. And then at the same time, that's when Andrus's, uh drone t- teleports in. He's still getting used to the controls and then encounters a flock of, a flock of pigeons. Uh, 
We get another cutaway of Anne visiting the Thai temple where they're helping her decorate. They also go to the stores. Sprig's still struggling to find the perfect gift. We get a montage of cookie, making cookies and Mr. Boon Choi not being able to get the perfect candid photo. And yeah, like the night, like a few nights go by, it gets, we're getting closer to Christmas Eve. And then eventually, like Anne reveals to the parents the float, all, all created with a mix of Christmas and Thai elements. And yeah, like Anne's mom is super, like, super happy about the, like, she reacts as well as you'd expect. She's like super happy that she can participate in the float. Mr. Boonchoi still can't get a fan candid photo, and then that's when we get to the commercial break. So, yeah, there was actually a lot of montages, but I still really enjoyed... I don't want to say first half, because before the commercial break, we're about... I'm checking the time here. We were about 14 minutes in, so this is like... Almost as long as... This is probably like... The second longest amount of un uninterrupted time behind, well, ahead of toe tax. So maybe this is the longest we've gone without a commercial break, which it didn't. It, it went by pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I liked Mrs. Boonchoy's obsession with Christmas and how much she loves the holidays. The glimpse of Andreas was nice. Yeah, all around it was just a really wholesome, uh, like first two-thirds of the episode. And I, I really enjoyed it and all the gags, especially with the planners. Uh, Rad, what were your thoughts on this first two-thirds? Yeah, I think um, uh, as a Christmas special, I think it's very wholesome with lots of cute moments. Um, I like how it kind of has a lot of callbacks to you know things that happened earlier throughout the season. So it's kind of a good way to, you know, it's a good combination of everything that happened. And um, uh, I also like how the IT girls have a bigger role in this in this special than they did in uh, what was it fixing Frobo? And you know, it's nice to see them and Jen back again. Uh, no Terry though, so maybe they're saving that for the next episode. And um, also like how they 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 showcased a more playfully ruthless side of Andreas, because before then, you know, when you see him, he's either evil or cheery, but here you you see him just playfully shooting at his henchmen, and it was kind of. It's kind of twisted, but also pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I think for the first half, I think that's about it. All right, thank you, Rad. And yeah, I really liked your point about like we usually see Andreas either he's like jolly or terrifying, but here it's like a little mix of both. We don't usually see that too often, but at least in season three, we got to see it a little bit more, which I like. And uh, yeah. yeah and I like how you mentioned, yeah, Ali and Jess had a, played a little bit bigger role here than they did in fixing Frobo, which I liked. Uh, Pickle, what were you on this segment? 
or this first chunk. Oh, I liked it. I solidly enjoyed it. There was a lot of, you know, average Christmas special stuff with just like the whole like, oh, look at the look at the city and the characters. But this time they're in Christmas outfits. And uh, that's always something I enjoy seeing. Honestly, during the during the beginning of the credit or not the credits, the intro, I was a little bit like, because I either thought they were gonna like do um, I thought they're either gonna just leave it as is or do something special. But like, I'll, I mean the 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 like modified intro was cool, but like other than like a couple of things, they mostly just slapped a border on it and called it good. <laughs> and I was skeptical that it was kind of low effort, but they did a whole special credits scene, so it's just like that's clearly not where their effort was going. It was it was about the outro, not the intro. So I forgive that totally. Uh I gotta say, like, I'm surprised that I forget their names. Triple B made it a reappearance. I kinda thought they were gonna be one off characters. But that does kind of bring up other questions about the loyalty of the people around him. Like, we know Olivia and Yunnan kind of have special access to see exactly how evil he is. But I was wondering if that was more like, they were there, they saw the attack, and they're also his, like, highest... It's, like, his highest advisor and his general, so maybe they got, like, more special privileges. I wanted to see how much of that how much of that, like, fake persona he was keeping up now that the cat's out of the bag to people who aren't, like, already have seen him that is most evil. And it seems like he's still very jolly and, like, you know, the man, the man-child act isn't, isn't totally a, isn't totally fake. He is, like, a kind of jolly person in general, even though he's totally evil. But it seems like he's... He's not pretending that there's something else going on here. He's like, yep, I'm here to kill a kid to all of his advisors. And they're weirdly okay with it. But I guess, you know, what else are they going to do? All right. Thank you, Pickle. And, uh, yeah, for the, <laughs> for the intro, like, I didn't, I, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like, at sometimes it felt like, Two different intros, or two different, yeah, two different intros fighting for the Xbox. Like the way, like you hear the jingle bells and like you hear the bells in the beginning, and then like it's the regular intro, and then, and then near the end you hear like the Christmassy stuff come back. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was still it was still nice. To, it was still at least they're trying to be a little more festive, especially we can now see. It's just we see the we see the Darcy intro and that's basically like a holiday filter. <laughs> just like slapped it on, called it a night. And but I wish yeah, well, they like dressed her up like Rudolph. That would have been real funny. <laughs> oh, like they give her like the little glow up nose. <laughs> you guys just want to see Darcy but like with her antlers hanging on with like Christmas balls or something. Yeah, or they just look like like yeah, like reindeer antlers at least, <laughs> like change the color. And Andrea's wearing a Santa hat. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could have spiced it up a bit more, or like just not done anything. Seems kind of like a weird halfway point that they went with. 
Yeah. But it's alright, we have the credits, and that's we'll, we'll talk about those later. Uh, Lemur, what were your thoughts on the episode so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not really, nothing really that big happened in this, like, at this point in the episode, but even then, I really, really adore, re- really liked this uh, first few few chunks of the episode. I guess two-thirds, we could say. Like, again, it's a Christmas special. Like, you don't really expect anything, like, plot-heavy to happen, but even, it's, suppo- it's, it's supposed to be, like, it's supposed to be something that you could enjoy on the Christmas season along with, like, other Christmas specials. Like, even if it even if it is a little more plot-heavy than most Christmas specials, it's a very... It did a very good job of like balancing, like balancing. It does a good job at standing between the line of being a standalone Christmas special while also being important to the plot of the show. And in this first few, this first few chunks, it definitely leans a little bit more on the wholesome standalone Christmas special side. Like we. We got to see uh, Mr. and Mrs. Boon Choi being seller surprising, surprisingly to me, being very ecstatic about Christmas. But it does make a lot more sense when you get into it. But when you get into the episode deeper in the episode, but even then, I really, really enjoy the enthusiasm of the parents a lot. Uh, the the Planter family learning about Christmas is both fu- both funny and. And into their character because they spend because they spend their winter seasons being frozen on like being frozen in ice and like being eaten alive and being afraid of being eaten alive by a monster. So having them having them experience a holiday see a holiday in the winter season plot and concept. And I really enjoy how they explored too. Uh and Anne's plan of um, trying to give back to her parents after everything that they have done for her pre-amphibia and post-amphibia, it's it's wonderful too. Another great another great development on the on the relationship between her and her parents. Um, again, like what Radiant and Pickle said, it's so nice to see the IT gals and Dr. Jan back. I especially really like uh, Polly, Polly, Allie, and Jess getting more, more of a bigger role, getting a bigger role than they did in their debut episode because that's like the one thing that people criticize about uh, fixing Robo because they're supposed to be like they're supposed to be these new allies that we're supposed to get to know but like they didn't really do much except guiding Polly and seeing in the end so seeing them here again participating in a slightly bigger role is a very delightful surprise again I would have liked to see Terry too but she she's probably working on the portal while on holiday which kind of sucks and sad but again she's dedicated to science I guess uh and yeah, I agree as too. I also agree on all of your sentiments too. It's really rare. It's all. It's rare to see Andreas act like act both cheery 
and um, and threatening because we both see it because on previous occasions we see it separately. So Andreas's characterization in this episode is unique too. Uh, yeah, I guess not much. And there's really not much to say because it's both because these uh, these first few chunks are just set up. It's just set up for the last few, the last chunk, while also trying to be a wholesome Christmas special. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention Rebecca Sugar's design is great. I love her. I love it, and she reminds me of someone else that I like knew. And so that's also a great surprise. And even if her song is like split into excerpts, her song, her song is great. This is as expected from the mind of Rebecca Sugar. All right, thank you, Lemur. And uh, yeah, the Rebecca Sugar song was nice. I especially like the end, but well, probably getting ahead of myself. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on this segment? I mean, honestly, basically what everyone already said here, I mean, just a really great way to kick off this episode and just bring us into those wholesome Christmas vibes that we always know from specials like these. Uh, just, you know, everyone was just on point here. Mr. Boonchoy, Mrs. Boonchoy, and the Planters, Andreas, the 3Bs, like, I don't know, everything was just really fun about this first chunk. I, I love Rebecca's song just like everyone else. It is really amazing just to be able to you know hear her sing again for a, just not just sing again but just like make music for enough for a tv series again like it's just really nice to have that um so I, I don't know what else to tackle that you guys didn't already mention i mean yeah it, it's nice to see the yeah it's nice to see the thai community ali and jess dr j and everyone just get together and help again like it, it really just brings everyone together that we've met along like this journey in season 3a i mean i don't know what else i gotta put out there i mean just all around really pleased with this one because I, I, I really do love the fact that from like the new normal, like we all saw that this was just supposed to be like a pit stop for Anne. Like she wasn't really here to like really reconnect. It was just to rest real quick and get back on a journey. But what really happened here is that she bonded with her family. Like she, she regained that bond and made it even stronger than it ever was before. So like just really pleased with everything here and I. Yeah. And not, yeah, not only that, but she started to trust other people too, especially adults after, you know, what happened with True Colors and and what happened with Andreas and Hop Hop. It's nice to see uh Anne trusting not only other people but other adults with Dr. Jan and Allie and Jess and the Thai community and Terry. It's great. Yeah. No Terry though, I mean that's a, that's gonna be a three out of ten episode, but it's gonna be a next episode. Again, she's married to science. Like she, she's dedicated. Yeah, but yeah I mean, you're Dr. definitely right Freaks. about that. Oh, Dr. Frakes, the magic Like, like <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, where's, where's, where's Terry? Don't be stupid, Anne. <laughs> she, she's working on the project. <laughs> but I think Chris Summers was in this episode for, like, I think additional voices. Oh, okay. also that. Wait, wait, where? Yeah, she did. Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Oh, wait, wasn't the kid who snatched off the dinosaur tooth? Yes. I oh, okay. Because like, I, I was like, sort of like, I, I knew I recognized that voice from Sam. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then, I think Nick, I think you might like this. What I'm about to talk about 
I like oh, how, nice. I like oh, how go when, ahead, sorry. Oh, I, I like how when uh, Anne calls back the parade organizers about like agreeing to do the like agreeing to do like the float. Hop Hop's the one who questions Anne about it. And then like when Anne like gives her rationale, like Hop Hop explains that he could feel like the, the melancholy. Which I mean, since we know Hop Hop's We know Hop Hop. Like we've seen Hop Hop have his like aspirations and dreams. So it was nice to see him yeah. recognize that in this case. Yeah, that's a really good observation there. Like see that that's why I really felt like like they really made the characters feel on point here. Like all the characters acted exactly as they would in a situation like this. So, like, just, yeah, it really plays with that. And, yeah, we had Mr. Boon Choi with the photos. Okay, so, when we first open up with Amphibia again, like, we see that Frobo, that Frobot making a little like snowman of himself, and like he must have some S tier snowman sculpturing skills to make, or or the packing snow there in Amphibia is really nice because he was able to have arms suspended from the side. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a cute thing for. For that robot, before we just see this like giant armada of ships behind Utopia Castle, you kind of see like Andreas is like growing his army in the background. It just from like that, yeah, that little scene just reminds me of PC theory about like the robots causing some kind of uprising. Like the fact that even the standard robot is like intelligent enough to like to make a snowman out of itself. Like, doesn't that sort of tell you something there? Yeah, like yeah, I think it has a soul. Oh, go ahead, Rad. Yeah, I think it's interesting that even the quote unquote evil robots also have a playful side to them. It's not just Frobo. So even robots also want to have fun. Yeah, we saw that with the the cloak bot too, where it, it kind of gained a personality as it went on, even if it was never like anything more than a small like early season villain, like, it was, it had enough personality that by the time it was killed, some people were feeling a bit bad for it. Yeah, rest in peace, Cloakbot. Yeah, Cloakbot. Uh, we will remember. This is a little bit unrelated, but I have to, I have to notice <laughs> that Allie and Jess, um, Disney has been keeping them pretty easily censorable, like, them being girlfriends is mentioned in some small status that could be blurred out. The only real romantic indication between them is like a small blush when someone mentioned when one of them mentions spending time with the people you love. Or like gifts, I think. Yeah, I think there was I don't remember there was like this binary code in the background that I think someone deciphered and it said like I don't. I think it said I, I love you lots or something. I can't remember, but yeah, I love yeah. you lots. Yeah, they have like hidden background details like that. Yeah, I guess they're doing what they can that Disney will let them air everywhere. You know. Yeah. That was a nice detail. And I love how when the triple B's get introduced, like you have you hear this like really fast jingle bell. 
like musical cue play. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's so like chirpy. <laughs> and just you see them in the elf outfits. Like, you knew it was coming. It was just still funny to see. I was like, honestly, I was really hoping that Andreas. I, I know we talked about this last week, but I was really hoping that he knew what Christmas was all by himself. You know what I mean? Like, he, he didn't need anyone to tell him about it. Yeah, like in, in the moment, he forgot about Christmas, but then, like, once he visited Earth through the VR headset, then he started recalling the details that Marcy told him about. Yeah, I, I ripped that theory. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, man. And what... I do... Maybe this is like a... I don't want to say plot hole or inconsistency. It's just weird how... The Triple B, they made this prototype. But then, does that mean... Before Andrus revealed his master plan, that these newts knew about like robotics. I think it's like a, they made it before, after the whole master plan, robotics became available. Right, I guess like well, Polly was able to learn about the subject in like less than a day in in one night. Yeah. I'm guessing, yeah, pretty much, could, yeah, <laughs> could could figure it out. Yeah, I guess I'm, they're supposed to be like the super smart, the super smart yeah. advisors. Given like already the pre-existing dragonfly robots and stuff, they could probably pretty easily make something. Or not like for real, but within the context of this world, it's not a stretch. Yeah, but then yeah. that goes to show you how intelligent Polly is when she she made Frobo in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> well, yeah, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm speaking. Oh, go ahead. Also, speaking of Frobo, I like how um, when Anne goes to the garage to work on the on the Christmas uh, decorations, he turned on Frobo, and I thought that was just for lighting. But then I noticed there was a lamp at the door, so he didn't just turn it on, turn him on for lighting. He just he she just you know she wanted him to accompany her. I think that was kind of sweet. Oh, oh, they, oh so that... I was about to make the point. Like, are they making Frobo sleep in the garage? <laughs> like, I was about to ask that. Like, when this has been at Anne's nice, warm, comfy room, Frobo's in the, Frobo's in the garage? <laughs> like, come on. When do you guys think that Frobo will get that RC form? Do you think it's going to be, like, a, a an episode of its own in which Polly finishes off the robot, or, like, a small background thing with some big reveal when it's needed? What do you think that's going to be like? I mean, the sooner the better. Yeah, I, I know Matt was hyping up the transformations that Frobo would undergo, so I, I'm, I'm expecting something just coming out of a montage or something, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll get another segment dedicated, dedicated to Frobo. I, ho- I hope we would, but with how much is left, I think it might be a quick thing for like RC Frobo, and then Maybe to help save the day, we get a teaser of what Polly's working on in the background. I hope. I'm thinking it's going to be like a B plot at most. Okay, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. And 
yeah, we covered Andrus becoming a gamer. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get into that more later on too. Uh, yeah, just like I like how Sprig gets his mini. He gets his own mini mission of getting a gift for Anne. I thought that was nice, and then we also got a few scenes of him trying to make his own gift, and then. Just like tossing it all away because he thinks it's garbage, and then you also get it again with the pet clown painting. I just like that gag. <laughs> oh yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Poor guy. Like he just wanted to. He just he was just making clown photos, and then Spring just roasts his livelihood. <laughs> I gotta say, it was. Or are we moving on to maybe the the third, the final, the final no, part of the episode? Now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta like claw away at everything we can with this one. Um, I just, I really like how when Sprig looks at Anne, you see Anne just like enjoying herself dancing in the background, and then Sprig's oh, like, suffering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really, that was like a really adorable scene to seeing her have fun right there. There was some very good Spran moments in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, honestly, yeah, season three A had a lot of that, right? Like it really, really carried that energy over the way it's sort of missing in season two B. So I really enjoyed that, like especially in this episode. Like this, like Froggy Little Christmas had some of the most heartwarming scenes between Sprig and Anne that we ever saw. Yeah, and then when we got to, when we got to the museum, I just, I, I like how. When they're walking through the museum again, like Anne is holding like Hop Hop and Sprig's hand. <laughs> I just thought it was like a cute thing. We're just like guiding the <laughs> yeah. family through that. Yeah, I guess we really took on the caretaker role right there. Right yeah, she, I mean, she's practically used to it at this point, I'm guessing. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was really fun to see Dr. Jan again. Like, especially, like, yeah, we, we didn't. Oh, yeah, she was in the last episode, but like. It was just nice to really get a scene of her again because because we didn't really like see her until like what like like what was it like um frog what was it temple frogs I'm I'm not forgetting titles here uh, like we saw her in temple uh fight the museum temple frogs uh I think I, an episode after that? it was wasn't it like if you give a yeah if you give a frog yeah. okay there we go yeah there's that one. And, like, her appearance here just starts out by her, like, terrifying some random guy. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's basically Marcy. Which is what I like about her. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And then, uh... We got that gag of Anne, like, collecting stats. Like, I'm surprised, like... I, I, I know Dr. Jan's the curator, but I'm surprised she has, like, the control to, like, the, enough, like, say to let some random teen take away, take a bunch of exhibit models away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised by that. Like, she was taking a ton of the props, like, the cavemen, the, like, the, like, yeah, the, the woolly mammoth, like, this doctor, and, and the worst part is, I mean, like, I, mean, I mean, this is from the last one, but like, those got all destroyed, right? I mean, like, what is she going to be telling? Like, what is Anne going to tell her after that? <laughs> like, I don't well, know. I don't know what Dr. Jane was thinking there. At, at least it seems like Anne took all tab. of the... Oh, Anne's tab. <laughs> <laughs> how, much, how much of the museum she destroys? She destroyed, like, that whole, that whole, um, 
that whole like fossil, the giant T Rex fossil or whatever it was, and now she destroyed like a bunch of props and possibly real, possibly real stuff. At, at least it looks like she took a bunch of like mostly like fake. Like she didn't take any actual artifacts, but I mean it doesn't make it that much better because like they trashed an actual like skeleton <laughs> back in Fight the Museum. Doctor Jane. Dr. Jane would be fine. She has a lot of replacements for it. Yeah, at least no, it's good. It's good that Dr. Jane's in on the whole mission. Yeah, I guess she, as long as she gets to see the planches, I guess she's okay with Anne. Like, basically ruining her livelihood. <laughs> oh, and apparently... The, like, Wartwood or Amphibia has a similar holiday called, I think it was Stump Hollow Eve? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, I think that was, I think that was it, but like, what, what, what did Hop-Hop say, like, but it's Stump Hollow Except, Eve, both about the sacrifices? Yeah, without the ritual like, sacrifice. Yeah, what is with the world and just death in general? Like, I swear, everything involved, like, almost all those celebrations have to involve, like, death in some way. I mean, I mean, to be fair, they are living in a world with, like, filled with deadly creatures, so, like, that is pretty much, they're pretty much, like, numb when it comes to the concept of death. Yeah, you ain't wrong, I mean, guys, I mean, like, it, <laughs> that's just really dark. Like, honestly, that's just really dark. And then, I, I like, we got the, we got two gags of the close-ups on Sprig. <laughs> where the first one's like him not getting the like gift for Anne, and then the second one where his like brain is huge. It's pretty it's pretty much like the most grotesque uh SpongeBob gag that they had in the show so far. Yeah, I, I don't know which one disturbed me more, like them like like the realistic versions of the planters or that scene right there. Like both were just horrifying to me. Uh, I'll take the 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 one with Sprig and his enlarged brain because that 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 one has like nerves and and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can get used to like the realistic planters, but not 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 the one not the giant brain one though. Um, that, was, that was disgusting. The realistic planters are actually funny. Like I don't find them disturbing at all. I mean, yeah, like it's it's both funny and disturbing. That's something to say. I knew it was that disturbing. Was I mean, cute. it was just like realistic it frogs. It was kind of like disorienting in a funny way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right word for it. It's, dis- it's not really disturbing, but more like disorienting. No, because, because like what ruins it for me is I, I start to imagine that this is what they look like on a daily basis, and, and I can't find them adorable anymore. Like spray, pa- like imagine pa- like Polly. I can't. I can't see it. Looking like that, that every time. Yeah, I know. It just ruined it for me. Okay, Polly is actually horrible. Like she looks like a beanbag. <laughs> That's a robot. That's like a robot chicken sketch idea. And then we got a lot of. We get to see like the planner's eyes again. <laughs> like they're actual like eye colors when Anne brings out all of those like mannequins or not mannequins props and that 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 freaks me out more than like some of these gags like i'm not used to seeing their eyes their eye 
what's it called? The the, the part between the irises. Yeah, the irises. Yeah, the iris. Yeah, you're just so used to being like dots <laughs> instead of detailed irises. Yeah. And then we talked about Andrus. He's uh, drinking some kind of like energy drink that that had like the zap zaptopede on them. As gaming show, yeah. Monster energy. Zapterade. I I just feel bad for Triple B. Like they've basically become slaves. <laughs> like I, I, my mind just goes, now. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, he was literally yeah, he was shooting at them. Lying lying on the ground and yeah. Well, and, I just and when it oh, and when ahead. it cuts back to the like when it cuts back to Andreas, like you just see all the Triple B's bodies like smoke <laughs> like smoke yeah. coming from. <laughs> yeah, well, so, like, yeah, we don't know how long Andreas was just like. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, I, I could see him just going until he just collapsed. Like, oh, that's all. I, I just, my, I just, my mind just, I, I just feel bad for all of them because like. Just that one scene of that one Triple B member having to push that present all the way up to him when he could have just reached over and picked it up himself. Like, how did he go from, like, this happy, jolly king in, like, what, what, was, it what was the episode? Like, the planters check in to, like, this giant douchebag. He's always been a douchebag. He's just very good at hiding it. Yeah, true. Like, I, I still, even so I know that he's evil, I still, like, I still feel like I'm getting used to this whole new persona. Yeah, and Andrew's like complaining about the controls. Is <laughs> a uh, is a very gamer thing to do. <laughs> oh, I like that little gag with the the bug the bug gone and then just crashes its way through. They love Amphibia loves its like literal the literal gags. I don't know. I how just love how they describe it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love how they basically took him out of the episode until like the last chunk like that. Just one small scene of him actually getting on Earth, and he's gone for the next ten minutes. Oh right, when right when he hits the sign, yeah, and then we don't <laughs> yeah. see him. He's just it. straight up gone, and like no, and this episode basically implied that he was searching for him for days, and he couldn't find them at all. Yeah. Until yeah, he. Yeah, he couldn't find Anne for like a few days until Anne has this decides to be a dip, to be a dumbass and just scream her name. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll get into that second half. I think we talked about Frobo spring making trying to get a gift. Yeah, we got the introduction, like Anne showing off the float to the parents. I like Mister Boonchoy's uh, rubber ducky pajamas. And like the little scruff that he has, like the the that the storyboard artists have in their in their storyboards, I like how they kind of were able to get away with that here. Yeah, finally is, made it in. Yeah, the morning scruff. The 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 faux the faux uh, the faux simps are were very happy because of that. I mean. Yeah, I, I would be too. Oh, we get that. We get that reindeer gag of just that thing, just oh, like yeah, in the yeah. sky. 
Yeah, it almost killed Sprig and um and Fo, right? Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry, Santa, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have secured that more the first time. <laughs> but I think we can get into this. Actually, oh, the photo gags, I like how the first the first one with the flash, it looks like one of those horror I forgot what I don't know if it's a common trope in like horror movies with like the green effect. Um it's a oh, poltergeist. I think it's like a cryptid thing. It's like a night vision thing. Okay. Yeah, I just liked how like the players looked in that and then another one where Oh, in, in the kitchen, I liked how when they're making cookies, like, all the planners are just, like, all cozy in Anne's bed before the parents barge in, and then Polly added, like, cricket legs into, like, the, into the cook, into the batter. And we, we saw- funny to know that, uh, the whole, the whole eating bugs thing is, is sort of getting adopted by all of the loon joys now. Yeah, it's grown on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you it's gotta like, get the crunch. It's infix. It's infectious. First they got Anne, now they got the parents. Well, they're. I mean, to be fair, Thai people have been eating like frogs, so I guess crickets and bugs <laughs> aren't really, you know, aren't really yeah. that different from them. Where's our episode where Anne Winjoy cooks and eats the planters? <laughs> that's, the, that's that's the secret lost episode. The secret ending. I'm just surprised, like, there is never a joke about eating frog legs in the first nine episodes here. Like, I, I always expected there just to be this one small gag, but, like, they never did it. Maybe as in P put the, put, put the, the kibosh on that one. <laughs> it's like, I'll tolerate, I'll tolerate kids getting stabbed, but I won't tolerate our main characters being, <laughs> implying that there's can there's cannibalism here. So, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> they already had the cannibal in episode. Oh right, yeah. Let's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I was because I know I know even Matt like he joked about like I, I just I just remember seeing like a tweet from Matt where he ate like frog legs and he joked that he ate sprig or something. So like my mind always told me that he was going to take advantage of that when we got to Earth. Was there like but... a little drawing? Eat me. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's that. Yeah. There, there's probably a storyboard out there that hasn't been seen where like. The plant, or like it was shown, like the planters are looking at frog legs or something, and Anne gets like embarrassed by it. <laughs> There's still eleven episodes where we might get a <laughs> Anne eating the planters joke. <laughs> Please, Matt, make it happen. I think it'd be it'd be like that Gumball scene where Gumball looks at a real life cat, then and then Nicole tells him to not think about it. Yes, or the There's also the Ducktales gag then too. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Feeding the ducks. Yeah, feeding the ducks. Yeah. The ducks feeding the ducks. Oh yeah! Like, I think someone mentioned it earlier. I like all the planners' uh, Christmas outfits, and like Polly has like that Polly's hairdo and <laughs> tiny little like shoes. Uh. Okay, I'm trying to see what else we can have. We can, if we we need to cover. Hop Hop's reindeer outfit. Yeah, Hop Hop's reindeer outfit. Sprigs uh, that deserves a, 
an episode of its own. Like, I, I like how Sprig's outfits always feel like there's there's not much change. Like, I guess because as long as he's wearing a hat, like you still get that like feeling that he's like his silhouette looks like complete. Oh, they changed the sneakers. I think I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, he's wearing shoes. Oh, and Polly has mask too. He's not wearing a mask anymore. Oh yeah, he's mask off. And then Polly has a bow now. Like for her hair, do she? She usually had like a. I think it was like a raincoat hat, or not raincoat hat. She just had some like hat on before, but now at least it's like her bow makes her turn with the hair. <laughs> and Polly's hairdo is like surprisingly like good. <laughs> I like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. It's definitely better it's definitely better than like other characters that we could think of. We're not gonna talk about that here, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know. I uh, think. I think pretty much every one of the viewers here knows exactly what I'm talking about. No, they probably yeah. don't. But we'll just keep it like an inside joke for us. But yes. Okay. Uh, I'm probably gonna get right into the second, the final third, if there, unless there are any objections. No, we can go ahead. Yeah, we can All go right. ahead. Here we go. So, the third half of this, ep- the third, not third half, third, final third of this episode is basically the per- the night of the parade. Uh, the planners are all having a good time. It's all general good vibes going around. Uh, we kind of get an explanation, like, and see, and thinks that Mrs. Boonchoy is sad for some reason, but she's actually just like happy that she was able to she was able to like be a part of the parade because a lot of her I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Uh when when Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy moved from Bangkok, they kind of felt it, it was a, like a hard it was hard to adjust and them being part of the parade and like Christmas is usually the time where it helps. It feels like she finally fit in, and yeah, it's a re- it's a really nice moment between her and Anne. And then, as this parade's going on, Andrus has been searching for Anne for days, and then he just happens to come across the parade and sees like the Boonshoi name on the sign, and Anne's just. Screaming out her name. <laughs> I still don't understand why she did that. <laughs> so then, yeah, like Andrews kind of recalls the the holiday, and then he sees the Santa the Santa animatronic, and then gets a devilish idea and decides to hijack it, and he uses like this robot drone somehow to. He pretty much like. He put like a bunch of nanites. He puts a bunch of nanites into like the Santa animatronic and pretty much transform it into transforms it into his own like 
robot Santa killing machine. And just like right when right when Mr. Boonjoy thinks he has like the perfect candid photo, like that Santa robot like does a 180 neck turn greets the Boon Choice before coming out of its seat and starts and just laser like laser destroys the float behind him with a like laser blast from the eyes and just it pretty much reveals that Andreas has Andreas has like transformed this robot this robot with a bunch of new upgrades to kill Anne. So hijinks and hijinks and chew. Uh, we get a chase. Yeah, it's pretty much a chase down the city where Andrews, they're all, Anne and the players are trying to throw a bunch of stuff at Andrews, but he's not, he's not stopping. And yeah, this is basically just one long, like it's a long actions set piece. Eventually they run out of road and then just as Andrews has him cornered and they, they've run out of stuff. To, like, to throw at him, they decide to light up the Christmas tree on fire and just like launch it into the Santa robot, impaling it, and then going right through the drone as well. And with that, like the Santamatronic, oh yeah, that's a good one. Santamatronic is destroyed, and then fireworks go off, and then as ash rains down from the sky, <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle that they're all alive. So they celebrate the moment. And then it cuts back to Amphibia, where Andrus just rage quits, and like while he's destroying his controller, Darcy, the Marcy, and the core combination that we saw back in Olivia and Yunnan, like just laughs at him, not laughs, just like taunts him and just calls him pathetic. <laughs> uh, and then Andrus is like. Andrews is pissed, but he still doesn't care because, like, the army is almost ready and nothing's going to stop him from that. Cuts back to the planners after their eventful night. And, like, Mrs. Boonjoy is just, like, laughing from how, like, how dangerous it was. And, like, at that point, they're all just, like, that pretty much cuts the tension. And then they're all right and Anne's disappointed that the flow got destroyed, but like Mrs. Boonchoy knew Anne's heart was in the right place, so she's still happy she got to do the float. And then at this point, like the planners finally ask Anne, like, what is the meaning of Christmas? And then it's about spending time with people you love. And just like everything else is just an expression of that. So then Sprig at this point gives the gift that he made for Anne. We reveal it's like a little action figure, which was like a nice callback to Sprig's action figures in Flood, Sweat, and Tears. We get that Spran moment with the hug. And then the episode ends with them making cookies. Uh, Rebecca Sugar's character gives that final that final verse or excerpt of the song. And the episode ends with and writing a letter to the Wu family and Mr. and Mrs. Waybright, uh, determined to bring Sasha and Marcy home. And important that, information, though, uh, I think you forgot. Like Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy had different letters for each other, not separate, not together. Y- yeah, and oh, 
Mr. Boonchoy, he he actually got his candid photo while everyone was uh celebrating over the the can- the Santa animatronic that they that they killed. And yeah, the episode ends with uh some new credits, uh new special credit scenes, not scenes, uh images where we got and giving Mrs. Boonchoy the uh butterfly the butterfly craft from Hopping Mall. Uh, then we have the planners opening their gifts, as well as Frobo and Domino. And that was Froggy Little Christmas. And so yeah, I know there's that massive error in uh, Fo's candid photo where he's wearing his normal clothes instead of his Christmas outfit. I don't know if that they're gonna change it later, but that's. I didn't even notice that when I rewatched it, but I can't start unsee it now. Faux <laughs> decided to get formal before <laughs> switching back, but yeah, that was Froggy Little Christmas, and I'm I want to talk about the overall direction or the decision of this, but I'll, I'll probably get into that later. But I really enjoyed the second half. You know, Keith David was great as as Andreas just being being the animatronic and giving all those like cheesy Christmas lines I liked yeah it was just a really fun action it was just a really fun chase scene and then seeing that like killer robot Santa just like with all of its like random like power ups with the fire and the, the gift blasts it was all entertaining And yeah, I don't want to get too because I know you guys want to talk about two, so I, I'll, I'll leave it off at I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, I guess Rad, what were your thoughts on on the segment now? Well, like you said, it was basically just one big action set piece, and it was a a fun one too. And uh, I, I I like how like in the beginning. Uh, Anne's mom talked about you know not fitting in Los, fitting in Los Angeles when they first immigrated, and then Anne kind of tied it to her experience in amphibia. And I think, I think a lot of immigrants can relate to that. So that was nice. And also, um, uh, I like how. You know when 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 the Andreas robot, when this, the giant Santa robot, the giant animatronic, got impaled by the Christmas tree, it was basically Marcy indirectly getting revenge. That was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah. Pulled the Uno reverse card there. Um. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I mean overall. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, thank you, Rad. Uh, Pickle, what were your thoughts on the segment? I I really liked it. I gotta say, I I think my favorite part about the non stuff that we're gonna talk about later, but just not foreshadowing, not setting up stuff later, but just in the episode was and getting the gift from Sprague and him saying, "You're my hero." It's just so sweet. 
It's absolutely the sweetest yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, it's a nice callback to the first episode too, where Sprig calls and an ugly, ugly hero, and now he's his hero. She's his hero. That was yeah. Uh, anything else, Pickle? Um, oh yes, there is more. Mr. Boonchoy really needed that W. Good for him, honestly. Finally getting something good happen to him in this show. I really hope we get, like, a Mr. Boonchoy-centric episode soon. Or at some point. He's probably my favorite human we've met on Earth. Yeah, I'm happy he got that, that win. Especially... <laughs> I just, I just yeah. want to think. I just want to believe that he just went back to formal wear, just because he could. <laughs> Can we talk about the significance of like photos in the show, though? There's so many important photos. We've got the like battle of the bands one. We've got this one now. All the, all the like immunities have been captured because we've got the old friendship and then the like new photo for the friendship. And then we've got like the Warwick community, and now we have like the planters and boon choy kind of family photo oh yeah oh yeah I, I didn't think about that yeah hey right about I that i like that recurring theme yeah. yeah all all we need now is like Anne and the planters posing with their new allies and it's all complete yeah that'd be pretty sweet I guess, Lemur, what were your thoughts on the rest of the segment? Yeah, well, in the grand scheme of things, like, it's really not, really nothing much happened, with the, with the exception of Andreas appearing. Like, when it comes to, like, driving, driving, like, the main plot forward, it's really, it doesn't do much, but for what it, what it did, what it did try to do, it did it exceedingly well, because, because, for me, it's like Frog of the Christmas is like seventy percent more about trying to be a wholesome Christmas special that also ties all of the things that we've learned and seen from season three into a nice little package of wholesomeness and Christmas cheer. Uh, I really, as, as for the uh, this second half, this second uh, third, yeah, third uh, final third. I, I really, really like uh, Mrs. Boonchoy's explanation of why she and Foe love Christmas so much. Because, like he said, like Christmas is the only time of the year where she can feel like she can fit in with the bigger part of the community. And not just the Thai community, like the Los Angeles the community of, of, of Los Angeles and like to me, that's that. It's so sweet because I think that really, I think that does a fair job of trying to summarize what Christmas really means to a lot of people. Like some people may say, like Christmas isn't um, is all about giving gifts to people you love, or like, or you know, trying to get something like that. But for Mrs. Boonchoy, it's all about spent trying to trying to belong in the bigger scale of community and like i really i really adore the idea of mrs boon choice one of mrs boon desires is to participate in a 
participate on something bigger. Like she doesn't want to do everything for herself. She wants to do it for her family and for for the Thai community, for other people. And like it's so sweet too. And um Andreas as a Andreas as a main antagonist is as always great. He's not as threatening as he was in True Colors. Of course he isn't, like because it's more of a combination of his old, of his jolly side and his sinister side. But even then, it's always great to see Angrius in an opposing role because his presence alone makes every episode that he's in even more important than it, an ordinary episode is. Yeah, like this whole pretty much most of this final third is one giant one giant action sequence. But the action sequence is so much fun. Uh, again, like, I I really, I just enjoy Ali and Jess participating in the fight, even if they're just the getaway drivers, and the whole family working together, it's always great. It really, it really says how much, how far that the two families have come to get, come from the new normal, where this, where the Boon Choice aren't that into the planters, but now... It's they're not one giant family, and I like it. And as for the, sorry, sorry, I'll 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 be I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up. All right, so, I just need to talk about one more thing. Uh, Ant Sprig's gift for for Anne, which is the action figure that he uses to make in Warford. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. remember remember that. <laughs> Uh, remember that bit where we talk about <laughs> Sprig's room becoming foreshadowing? <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty much what happened here. It, it it was literally it was actually foreshadowing, and I absolutely love it. It it's, yeah, I'm happy that that. I wonder if it was like something they had planned, or it was just like a hey, we're doing this. <gasps> I have a good idea for what the gift should be. Could call back to an action. Pick your thing. Like I don't know what the order here was. Yeah, like again, like I thought, I thought it was just a joke, but like, damn, it, it actually turned out to be a like actual foreshadowing, and I, it's it's both a surprise, it's surprising and sweet. I, and again, like you guys said, Sprague calling Anne her hero is a is coming from a long way from Sprague's calling Anne. A hero, a ugly, ugly hero. It's a great spread moment, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to make the eventual separation even worse. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for rambling. No, 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 I, I know, I know. That's fine. I was gonna bring. I was gonna bring that up later on too. Uh, I guess Nick, what were your thoughts on your overall thoughts on this episode? I mean, without, just like with, without the the final scene, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Just just like what everyone said here, like just like for me, this was like really just the chunk of the ep- This is really where the episode just felt so damn satisfying to watch because there's just payoff after payoff after payoff here, like like payoff you'd get from like you know from season three and payoff you get from season one, season two, like just like all around just so rewarding to watch and I, I was just so happy with all the wholesome scenes here all the comedic scenes just like i was just smiling all the way through so it was just yeah a, a really 
nice way to close out Froggy Little Christmas. Like, I, I think, I mean, one of my favorite parts was just the little exchange that Anne and Andreas had at the end of their fight. <laughs> like, she said, hey, Andreas, Merry Christmas. Then Andreas, like, he was like, oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> like, like, the fact that he actually took that. And he's like, like wait, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Going on. Yeah. yeah, that was just great. I, I just love that. <laughs> like, like, the fact that they, that, that's just the energy from Amphibia I really enjoy. Just the fact that, like, they just perfectly weave in comedy into like slightly tense scenes like i i, I really love that there's just that to the energy right there um yeah i i really love that small scene between mrs boonchoy and Anne too just yeah it's just so nice you know just nice parallels to Anne's journey in amphibia with mrs boonchoy's journey in america just both of them fi- trying to find a way to belong in this world and christmas being that celebration for mrs boonchoy like I'm, now i'm like now i'm just yeah, the more I think about it, like, 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 I really like how Lima put it. It just makes me appreciate it more and more how Anne helped her mom get this thing because it, it it was super important to her too. So I'm just really happy that she managed to get that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, just all around, just a great way to just a great way to close out this episode. Just yeah, it, it, it's like it's, I really, I really, really enjoyed the first half, but like this is what really made Rocky Little Christmas like one of my favorite MTV episodes, hands down. There's also, uh, I gotta mention, like, Ms. Boonjoy and the whole, we're just glad to have you here sort of thing. I wasn't really, the, the show kind of like, the, the happiness makes you kind of forget that Mr. and Mrs. Boonjoy had been living without their, their kid for five, six months. And, like, and then little moments, like the, the bit at, in, when the Thai community and here, when they you realize that they're just glad to have her home, they didn't know if she was going to be here for the the holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like those little bits of back life. into reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like it's just yeah. When when you ponder on those like little moments, there it does make you feel a little sad, doesn't it? But. I, I guess that's why it's really important that they're getting to enjoy big celebrations like this. Like, I, I'm really glad that this all worked out for a mom. And that scene at the end that we're going to talk about later definitely brought attention to, like, not everyone's so lucky, and Anne knows that. Yeah. Yeah, and... Are, are we... Are we? Oh, wait, okay, sorry. I'll, I'll let you go. No, we have plenty to talk about, Nick, before okay. that. <laughs> no, no, I was just... No, no, I was just going to... I don't know, I, I can't get that one... You know, Darcy's again on my head, but like, I'll, I'll let us go for everything else before we even touch that one. Okay, like, I like how the moment Hop Hop decided to become a director, he immediately became a like, his acting skills immediately dropped. <laughs> yeah, like, you could have just, it was one, just say ho, like, one last time. Like, I, I love Polly getting frustrated with him too. Like, yeah, did she say, did she go, ah, oh, aren't you an actor? <laughs> like, that was hilarious. Like, Line. I, don't, I don't know what Hoppa was doing the whole time. His best. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, yeah, seriously, like, you're so right about the film. As soon as he, be, as soon as he decided he was going to become a director, his acting skills just dropped. I, I don't... Like, it's hilarious. And, like, right when the... Like, right when we cut to, like, the night of the parade, I the... <laughs> There's like a billboard ad for like a, a Hallmark movie, or well, here it's called a Walmart 
channel presents a hunky <laughs> lumberjack for Christmas. So it's just like a parody on the, the Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> Is that what that was? Oh, okay. I didn't note that. I thought there were just like parodies or like something that. I thought there was just make up things. And then, yeah, we talked about the Ann Boon Choi name thing. Oh, yeah, and the. Even though the like that message when the Sanmatronic is getting controlled by Andrea says like ready to rock, it also shows it also says that in uh Newtopian language. That that could be translatable if you wanted to. <laughs> it's been a while since we have Newtopian language that is actually translatable. Yeah, not since Flight of the Museum, right? Yes. Yeah, it's been a little while. I'm I'm glad they're still keeping that up. Like that, that's pretty nice. Like I, I just I just have to think like imagine because it, it it sort of because it's like if you weren't around people who could translate these runes, it's just like like I feel like there's like two different experiences you have for the show because there are like certain details that like some people might know just based on being able to decipher this stuff. Uh, it's it's I'm kind of glad that they're not that uh, secretive when it comes to the runes. Like they don't really like if there were runes, they're, they're, there's a good chance they're gonna just translate it. And if they don't, it's like very minor things. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like after that uh, that prophecy we saw, a sleepover to end all sleepovers. They just like translate everything for us. Yeah, yeah, like literally, yeah, everything. I, I just love how the yeah, either, but it's either Mar, yeah, Marcy, Marcy pretty much translates it for us, or Anne. But something, I mean, just something. I know we're going a little off topic, but just something I've, I've seen around, like, like even on YouTube, like I've seen people genuinely not aware of the prophecy, like, like actually not aware that it's a thing. Like we're talking I mean, like, like, re, like, co- like recent messages too. I've seen just. People having no clue what it was. It's been mentioned like once in canon, and like yeah, before that, it was even by, like, an, by unless you were unless you were like actually really in the amphibia amphibia fandom. Like, why would you ever know about it? You're not going to be tr- deciphering that yourself. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I like, I noticed after, especially after True Colors, like, yeah, like we got like a lot of new. Like, all of the old references that we saw in the past, like, first two seasons were, like, making, like, another, like, another wave or another return, which, I mean, at first it was, like, a little bit, like, oh, here we go again, but, like, the more I think about it, it's, okay, it's nice that all these, like, all these new fans are discovering this for the first time, and they have that experience. Yeah, it's a bit annoying at first, but, like... It it can turn to be like pretty charming because it it, it kind of reminds us of like back in the day where we were first discovering these secrets for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Oh, we also got the the reindeer refusing to help them out in the actual chase. Yeah, the one time oh, they activated now, it. Oh, now you're unbreakable! Come on. <laughs> 
There's something under the lines of that. And I like how, uh... <laughs> The, the the animatronic is just is horrifying. Just like the, the glowing eyes and the green mouth, just like that alone just adds like a whole like just like increases the creep factor. It, yeah, it also turned out to like have this shade of purple or, or like yeah, it had this shade of purple too, which is surprising. Yeah, when he got taken over. Yeah. Yeah, they used, like, like what was that? What, what took it over again? Like, nanobots or something? Like, Yeah, like, the, the drone filled it with nanobots, and that pretty much, like, restructured the insides of the Sanatronic. That scene was a little bit suspicious. Just a little bit. I know I'm dirty-minded, but a tad <laughs> sus. Okay. So, yeah, I liked all the. I like how the Santa thing, the animatronic had like a like a tree shaped hollow, hollow hard light shield. Remind me of what Andrew had back in uh in True Colors. It's probably not like traditional. Yeah. Was... Making it like all yeah. cutesy, creepy, or it was like. Unsettling. Oh yeah, and speaking of uh, unsettling, that the visual gag when that Santramatronic was like, is it is like the camera isn't inside of a of a inside of a building and it's like close up to the Santramatronic. You can see like in the Christmas decorations of that building, it says, "You better watch out." <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed that too. And uh no, do you guys know what the building was that it ended up fighting by? I spent no. like an hour like trying to find that building. Like, there's nothing that looks like it in LA. I had no clue what it was. Like, I mean, it looks it looks too specific to like not be a building. Uh, I, I just couldn't like track it down. I mean, hopefully, like they they mention it one time or something, but I don't know. But yeah, I, see, I love that. I love that they literally. They almost spoiled the climax of the ep- of the episode again, right? Like they always do this in the trailers. <laughs> oh, right, because they showed in the trailer. They showed the only Christmas scene we shot got was the foot with the uh, yes. like the yeah, the, 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 the crushed like, car. Yeah, with the robots like leg around the Santa foot. Oh, I gotta I gotta mention the or I guess the the trailer is including the the like written finale like the first 10 episodes because we have that time to to say goodbye to your childhood friends and it did not show up and it's it's not it's not it's not the core so i remember talking about like is it an andreas flashback or like is it andreas himself yeah i think we'll we'll get into that yeah that's a lot of speculation that will like lead and lead itself well to Whatever, like we're talking about, whatever we'll talk about near the end. Yeah, but I guess yeah, like this is actually a good time to go into. We get to we don't see Darcy. We see like the back of it, and like them just like holding Marcy's dice, Marcy's twenty sided die, and just taunting Andrews about it. I, I think Nick, you you wanted to like, you wanted to talk about this a little bit, right? 
Yeah, like I, I just, I mean, besides it being like a very cool ass way to introduce Darcy, like I have to say, like it's just bravo to them for that, like because they, if they wanted to catch my attention, like that was absolutely how you did it. But like, I, I just have to say, like it, it is, I, I just, I feel like their relationship is like between like the core and Andrews, it is really changed since the first temple in Livia and Yunnan because I because they're supposed to be Andrews's lord, right? Like their master. And like would someone's master really jeer at them like that? Like mock them like that? Like like you you think they'd be like you think they'd just call Andrews a fool and wasting time right now or something. But instead it's like more playful of him or something. And and I feel like that has I mean okay well now I'm getting to speculation but I won't do that. But like yeah I don't know. It, it's just it was just very striking to me, and I feel like this might lead into something, but like I, I can't say why. I'm, I'm just betting that this is, has to do with Marcy being the host, like as if there's some kind of like influence she still has. I mean, she don't. I mean, the core like it was playing with Marcy's twenty sided dice, so clearly there's still some Marcy in there. Oh, I mean, I also got a message with like just great, like I don't know, just just great delivery right by Haley Ju- to Ju right there, like it. You, they sound like a completely different person, but at the same time, you can still hear, you can still like faintly hear Marcy in there. So just hats off to that. Yeah, because like, because yeah, Marcy's so like upbeat and energetic. Like her voice is like, yeah, even though you know it's Taylor to you, like it still feels like a different character, which which makes sense. Like, I absolutely have to talk about this. I just. I, I'm being continuously blown away by Haley Chu's voice acting. Like, we all know True Colors, her performance in that meltdown scene just blew most of us away. And her, her here, I was, really, I was really hoping that they were going to go through this route and instead of having a separate voice actor or, like, just, like, I mean, it is distorted, but, like, having, like, so distorted that it's like just like a, a like an, an octave drop or something to make it sound totally different. I'm really glad that they basically stuck with her original voice, but just like changed it around a little to make it more unsettling and just let Haley Chu do the real changing. Right, I'm so like glad her, they did that. And yeah, like it's I'm happy been, her, Oh, sorry. Hmm? Go ahead. Well, what were you gonna say? I know. I was just. I was happy that they didn't like her vocal chords didn't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy for that too. Like it it. it Oh shoot! Now I'm, I'm getting in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You go ahead and go ahead. But it's just it's it's so impressive her range, just going from like bubbly nerd to sadistic, playful villain. Is just incredible. Mm, I really, I really do want to talk about Darcy, but I feel like, I feel like it's, that should be saved for I guess later. So I'm just gonna keep gonna keep my thoughts about it for now. All right. Yeah, I definitely have more thoughts that we can do later as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we covered Ash, the Ash joke. Uh, oh, I very early on in the episode, it showed like a single snowflake falling and then... Oh, yeah, lit on fire. Let's just touch like the mailbox, right? Yeah, was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was hilarious. Do you think like, that's an LA joke about like? I think I think it yeah, is because they have like yeah, those. Yeah. Like 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 didn't in the Rebecca song like I, I didn't she say like something about like seventy degree weather or something? 
Yeah, apparently like, the lyrics were supposed to be like references to Christmas movies. I mean, I don't know all of them, but like I know there's a reference to Krampus or a Christmas Carol or something like that. Like each yeah, lyric is a reference. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Maybe, yeah, maybe like that. Uh, because I was thinking that that was just like the second verse or something, you know, like. Oh right, when the old man confronts his morality or something, is that probably talking about Scrooge? Yeah, that's what I thought too about when I saw that uh, line. I thought it was about Hop Pop. Yeah, at first I thought that it was or Hop Pop, but when you mentioned that, like maybe it's like referencing other Christmas, like Christmas movies, then that 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 would fit Scrooge a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean, the only one I could re- really recognize myself. I mean. There was like a mention of like fried chicken or something. Like I, yeah, I that's what that was supposed to be. Bucket of fried yeah, dinner with a bucket of fried chicken or something. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that's a Christmas sweet. special that. I cannot remember any of the lyrics. Whenever like songs start, my brain turns off and I'm just lost in the vibes. Yeah, same here. Yeah, same here. <laughs> same. I've I've like listened to it like a million times, even like just barely start to recite some of the words. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I, I just get lost in the vibe. I really hope they put it on Spotify. I'm, like, begging them. Please. Yeah, this just needs to go on. Like, like I, we definitely skipped over some parts, right? Because it, it just it just c- gets cut off. By, yeah, it just gets cut off by the episode, then we get back to it again, then it gets cut off again. Like, I, I guess we got to see the end of it, which is pretty nice, but, like, we're, we're missing a good chunk in the middle. Yeah, there's definitely more to it because you know in the second verse like it results in a different note than the first and the third verse so there's definitely like a bridge between the second and third verse you know like with that's usually how these like three verse songs go so there's definitely more to it yeah i really hope they do release it soon though like i, I just need to sit down and listen to it yeah there's yeah, according to the lyrics there's like krampus uh, Christmas Carol reference and Rudolph reference in the second in the second uh, verse. Oh, I just want to. I just like how Anne just really got into the the spirit of Christmas with him, like making a bunch of like Christmas references where he's like, "Oh, that's not so jolly," and then like. Doing the ho 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 laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's I mean, it's actually another thing though. Like, how did how did Andreas do about Christmas? Because she does he doesn't know about Christmas from he didn't know about Christmas from Marcy. Well, apparently, it it seems that like he forgot, and then once he got to Earth, once he got on Earth, he started to remember that like he started remembering the details that Marcy told him about. Oh, okay. I thought it was just, I thought it just meant something else. Honestly, yeah, I did too. When I heard, when I heard him go, oh yeah, I remember this holiday from the trailer. Like I, I, I thought something yeah. different too. Yeah, same too. <laughs> <laughs> like I can believe the triple B learning about Christmas from Marcy, but for Andreas, because you know Andreas is kind of mysterious. Everything is kind of possible. Yeah. Plus, it was just the way he said it too. Like that just, like it, it just made you think. Oh, maybe he has like some great memory of the celebration from the past or something like it, it just made you think and uh like keith david would make a like would make a decent santa claus it's just like but then you realize that he's also known for voicing like 
the sadistic, like, sadistic, like, terrifying villain. <laughs> but he still has that, like, warm voice. Murder yeah. Santa Claus. Get That's gonna be the next Netflix series next year. Yeah, like, the Samatron gave me a lot of, like, uh, evil Santa, evil robot Santa vibes from uh, Futurama. <laughs> Futurama. Yeah, honestly, even without the nanobots, that a giant Santa Santamatronic is already creepy in and of itself. Like I don't like I still be freaked out when I see it walking down the street. Like in Macy's Thanksgiving parade or whatever. I'm kind of surprised that the the way rates and woos haven't like seen and and about and like contacted or like the police the I guess they got the FBI thing, but like the police being like, Oh, they're home. I know they had like the gossipy stuff, but and hasn't been like asked to go back to school or any of her like other life trying to butt in and recontinue. Oh yeah, she hasn't well, exactly been. They say that they're going undercover, but then they always like go and do something crazy. Oh, I'm in blue joy. Oh, I'm in blue joy. Okay, to, to be fair, like even if they, even if they try, they can never be on. They can never actually succeed to being undercover. Like, trouble. Even if they try to get out of trouble, trouble comes to them, so... Shrug. Ah, uh, Amphibia. Yeah, I like how... Like, Ali and Justin wanna go because of the giant robot. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Understandable, honestly. They're definitely gonna dissect that robot after the, after the wreckage. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, uh... Free real estate. <laughs> Potential plot? No. Potential plot point. They can like they they scavenge like these they scavenge the wreckage of the of the robot and they figure out the nanobots or the yeah, or the contraption that Andreas had. That would be mm. a good. That would be cool. I mean, maybe they could use it to help Frobo or something. They could use it to help their YouTube channel. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> Wow, alien technology? <laughs> First, not not clickbait. Alien technology just discovered. And I like how when they have to light up the Christmas tree, like we get to see like anarchist Polly return. <laughs> oh, that was great. Like she's like blushing at the idea of just like setting this thing on fire. <laughs> oh Polly my gosh. has a we have to po- Polly has Sorry. a crush on violence confirmed. <laughs> Polly X violence, new OTP. My own, the only shipping I, was, I will support. What about Sasha X therapy? And not, not compatible that much, to be honest. <laughs> Can't believe you. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, I love that... I love that moment where, like, like that sa- Amatrox Santa is like... Like shooting lasers into the sky, and then <laughs> that random kid is like, "Daddy, is Santa gonna be okay?" No, Timmy. Oh, and it's just laughing. <laughs> I just like that gag. Uh. Oh yeah, we also have gamer Andreas just like rage quitting, and <laughs> the triple beer just like very, very calmly like walking out of the room while he just like smashing this thing apart with a sword. 
Yeah, I'm they're surprised they weren't running out after that. <laughs> can't really. I mean, they're just they're just used to being abused at this point. They don't really care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Man. Also, um, I can re- I I can relate to uh, to Andreas rage quitting. Yeah, uh, it's the controller's <laughs> fault. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, Andreas was Andreas was literally me when I'm playing Elite Smash. <laughs> but man, you you can tell that these like. He's slowly losing it, right? Like, like I feel like, like the stress was really getting to him this episode. Oh like, yeah, like when, yeah. When, when Andrews himself, like, I feel like he was, I feel like he was like mildly annoyed over the Frobos like constantly failing to kill Anne. But I feel, but it was really at this point when he himself, like, he couldn't do the job himself. That's where he really lost it. That, that's just why he went a wall and just started smashing up the room with the sword. Yeah, he's, he's really starting to get desperate. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, we can't forget that shot of all the Frobos. Or, sorry, Frobots. Like, that is... Now, that is an army. Yeah. That's like... What is this? Star Wars-style stuff by this point. But I think yeah. also... Sorry, I, I kind of interrupted you guys earlier when I was like, oh my god, I can't believe we... But, uh... The, um, the scene where Ms. Boon Choi talks about not fitting in as an immigrant... Feel like that was more important and deserves attention. Oh yeah, yeah it like, definitely does. Yeah, I know Rad covered it early on. Like, yeah, it's oh, something like Christmas is really a important, like a time for. It's a really, it's most, it's a very ideal time for like, for immigrants to like easily just, be a part of like the traditions, like kind of blend in. Not not in a bad sense. Not not. A, I'm not saying this like in a negative connotation. It's just like it's it's a really. I guess like just the mood itself of like around this time of year, it's like really easy for everyone to like to get along. And, yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a like a universal holiday for some people. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the one holiday of the year where people can actually come together and be celebrate. Like with no, with no like, with no conflicts and stuff. Like people, could, people would actually put aside their differences and conflicts just to celebrate Christmas. That's that's, and that's kind of a beautiful thing. So the anti Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah, like even people like not everyone like sol- like a lot of people don't act like. You don't you don't don't celebrate the religious part of the holiday. And I mean even even in this episode, like Dr. Jan points out that like the like the actual history of Christmas was like I think I forgot Roman or something. And it's like changed over the centuries. But yeah, it's like yeah, a lot a lot of people just like it's it's a nice time for people just to get into the festive mood, and it's really becomes a lot more universal. Yeah, like you can sell like people celebrate in their own way, but as long as they have the spirit of like, as long as they have the spirit of it, like anybody can celebrate it, and all of, okay, can celebrate it together without like even even with those differences. And I like how, I guess going back to Andreas, I like how when he is, like when he's like kind of losing or frustrated, like 
he has like two strands of hair going over his eyebrows. The whole like, messy hair like, villain look. Pardon? You know when villains go like start losing it and their hair yeah. gets messy. Oh uh, hey yeah, yeah, it's like, like <laughs> Azula is where my mind immediately jumps to. Like as like Azula, yeah. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> when the hair becomes unkept as their mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder we... if he'll have a moment like later in the show when he's a lot more desperate where he's just like not wearing the crown and he's like about to get beaten down and it's just hairs everywhere. I wonder if that'll be like a theme and a continuing thing where with his hair being messy when he gets a little bit on edge and like his plans are getting foiled. I mean, I mean, I think we'll definitely get scenes of that. I, mean, I think we like from what we saw here. Like Andreas is like a sore, sore, sore loser, right? Like, like a true like if he even feels like he's like losing the playing field here. Like, he, you know, because like when, when Andreas is winning, that's when he's smug as fuck, right? But like when he's losing, like a different side of this guy comes out. Like his more like desperate and gross side, if you will. Like, like you just like we like we've we've seen glimpses of that. Like, like when Grime and yeah, when Grime and Sasha snatched away the music box, like he got on all fours, roared like it, like roared like some kind of monster and charged right at them. Like you don't you you don't make Andreas think he's gonna lose. Like like you you don't try that with him. So I think like yeah, we're, we're definitely gonna get more scenes of him just slowly losing. I mean, I, I mean, I wonder if like. He'll ever get like he'll have the balls to be mad at his like at, at his lord. Like I, I, I'm I'm not sure how that's gonna work in the future, but I feel like maybe he could because like I'm just feeling like the re- their relationship really has changed just based off the one exchange between them. And besides, this is like the exact same person who gets who still feels angry towards his friends even a thousand even a thousand years later. He's petty as fuck. Yeah, he's just so salty, so sore. <laughs> I mean, he is—he's literally a man-child, and not just in like the cute, fun, goofy way, but like in the yeah. really immature, emotionally way. Yeah, he's like his growth is in a way like it's stunted. Like he's, which I mean, it, it is pretty neat how that matches up with his immortality. But like, and but like, well, was, but, yeah, but it's just—he's still like the same broken person he was thousands of years ago when his friends betrayed him, and like. Yeah, I feel like that's really catching up to him now when he's slowly getting close to um, seeing his plan um, finalized. Like, any, any sort of screw-up, like, it just it just drives him to madness, like, in that one scene. And I can't imagine his lord just, like, teasing and mocking him is helping. Yeah, it's just... Oh, I don't have to say that's just so odd. Like, would you expect, like, some... Like, I, I just gotta ask from you guys, like, would you expect, like, the lord of someone to act like that? Like, wouldn't they tell Andrews to knock it off or something? Instead, they're just like, bro, what are you doing? Knock it off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it... It feels different from how they no, like, act. Andrews, no, because Andrews can't talk back to the core, so he just has to, like, take the... Yeah. Take the heat. Just I think it's supposed to be the core being, like, a jerk. You know, because evil and all that. Yeah. But I think it's also part of Marcy's influence, because she can be a bit smug sometimes, and I imagine that's how she acted when she when she beat Andreas at Flipboard. I can imagine her saying that because she's not like malicious, but I can imagine her saying like "haha, I won," or like I being all like celebratory and not necessarily considerate about how yeah. someone might feel about getting beat. 
yeah, she's just she yeah, she's just gonna do she's just gonna do her little dance in like the first temple when she won. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Andrews is just like coming up with different cosplay ideas <laughs> for her. I can imagine Andrew cosplaying chess against her and when she beat him, like, oh haha, very good Marcy, and then like fantasizing about her death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would. He would what it is. Oh my would. god, stop. <laughs> He totally would. Like, right, we're totally we're gonna put we're uh, gonna put the antlers over here. We're gonna have, <laughs> Wait, we're gonna I have the cool. I can't. I can't. Middle. I can't get that out of my head now. God damn it! No. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the knight screaming into his ears. He's like, more eyes. Put more eyes everywhere on the helmet. <laughs> God damn it! Cosplay maker, cosplay maker, Andreas is not a thing. Yeah. Yo, imagine got Bernard to like come up with this design. It's like, what's this oh, story? Like... Oh, I, I, I could actually see Bernard being the one. Oh, God. Because it, because it feels like Andrews is just taking, like, he, everyone who basically worked for Mars, I, I feel like Andrews is just like taking them in, um, into, like, his, uh, I, I'm not even sure what to call it. Imagine if they brought him for the takeover again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's see it. I mean, ah, man. But all around, just a great scene. Like I, I just, I just love how it, it really captured our attention. It's like what, like a twenty to thirty second scene, but it just has like so much you can pull from it. They know how to make it impressive. Yeah, hands down. Like, oh wait, did we, did, did we like go over sort of like the yeah the twenty sided dice? Like I think, like that that definitely tells you. I feel like the the possession. I think it's yeah, it still is somewhat of a takeover, but I feel like. What it's sort of showing us here, and this goes back to like what you mentioned, Rad, how like how it's so- sort of something Marcy would say herself. I mean, well, not exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's like a blend of both their personalities in a way. Like that, that's why I still feel like that's why there's still those impressions of Marcy you can see there, even so their look has completely changed, even so their voice has completely changed, their their demeanor. Like you, you still feel that presence there. Yeah, like yeah. while we're in, we're, we're, sorry, like while in the topic of Darcy, like we talked about this before, on like when we're discussing the episode, like, like it, it's it's interesting how Marcy isn't truly gone, even if she still has the core in her mind, like, yeah, like you can still cons- you can still see there's a little bit of Marcy, but like. The core is somehow taking some of Marcy's personality and twisting it into something more malicious, like as like like that that smugness is like at first like that smugness at first is like kind of charming and like playful, but now because of the core, it's now condescending and malicious. It's taking it's like the core is taking all of Marcy's personality and twisting it into something that is like making it the worst version of itself and putting on the and putting it front and center it's it and i and i really like it it's like it's like the core is like a parasite that is controlling its host yeah i really like that comparison and also like it makes sense why marcy would still have a little bit of her personality because the core is just an amalgamation of the smartest minds in amphibia they really you can't really have a personality for an amalgamation so incorporating some of the personalities of the vessel can make them more of an individual 
than a, than just an abomination. Yeah, that's true. There, I mean, I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm thinking some of this might have spawned off the fact that this is like that. that yeah, they said that the device was never tested before, right? I'm feeling like this might relate to like a weakness um, with the possession itself. Yeah, it's just because like it's the hostess the hostess consciousness isn't one hundred percent suppressed. Yeah, I think if the device was fully functional, Marcy would have been like completely assimilated with the core. Like she'd be one with the core, whereas now it's like like half and half, or maybe like forty percent to sixty percent, because the core is essentially a collection of minds. Like like all of their individual mannerisms are gone. It's just the core now. Yeah, Honestly, there's... I've been. Go ahead. No, no, uh, go ahead. I want to hear what your thoughts are with this one. All right. Honestly, I've been trying to avoid speculating too much on the core's personality because, like, now we have a little bit, but for the most part, we have nothing to go off of. And if there's one thing I know, at least about like the villains in this show, is that they're never gonna be the the um the personality that you expect. And I feel like I'd rather just, I mean. I'm literally on this podcast. You know I love theorizing, but this is one of the worst situations where I'd rather just wait and see instead of trying to come up with some big idea. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, at least, at the very least, it's going to have a little bit of Marcy now, which yeah, is going to be know. interesting to see. Right. I mean, I think... like, it's, it's the worst version of Marcy, but it's still Marcy, I guess. I, mean, I, I guess think the whole that, thing like, is weird. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Especially with the spotlight on the the D twenty. I mean, it mean I can imagine it meaning a couple different things. Like first of all, the connection to her her dungeon mastering, with her kind of being the the like, you know how DMs are the gods in the situation. They control the they control the setting, and that's kind of that's kind of what. Uh, Darcy is in this situation, and also kind of a connection. Like Darcy wouldn't care about a little twenty-sided die, you know, unless there was a connection there. Like unless Marcy was in there somewhere thinking about that twenty-sided die, even if it just comes out in like little mannerisms or little, you know, petty wants. There's gonna be some Marcy influence in there. I have no idea how strong it'll be, but it, it's gonna be there. Yeah, and like I, personally, I think Darcy is just like the core. For, for me, the core isn't Marcy isn't one with the core, but the core is just put into Marcy's subconsciousness. It hasn't really taken over it yet. So like, it's eighty percent the core. Darcy is pretty much for me like eighty percent core and twenty percent Marcy. Though Marcy just comes out. Or like when it comes to like little quirks and stuff, she's not really conscious of her actions. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, I like Pickle's point about the dungeon master thing. Yeah, I I like that. I like that comparison too. I think we're gonna move on to the most the, the, the most interesting part of this episode. Oh well, boy. Well, I wouldn't. Well, mm, yeah, <laughs> I guess. 
Um, and and the fact that the subject matter didn't even appear in this episode says something. <laughs> so, I just want to quickly go through the credits because I know it won't take too long. Like the butterfly, like the butterfly, like finally showing up. I know a lot of us are thinking about that. Yeah, uh, Hop Hop got Hop Hop got a book uh, called How to Direct, which was a nice little nod to. Hot, like hop hop Hollywood hop hop Sprig got the Tarantulat action figure based on like the character from Spider Sprig and then Polly just got like a nerf gun which I mean I don't think it's gonna come back but it'd be nice to see her like modify that into an actual weapon for Frobo but or for herself or for herself yeah <laughs> I think them giving her like a machine gun is so funny well, <laughs> yeah, but it's the kind of thing you love. Like, I wonder if uh, Hop Pop approved of that. I mean, he was like, he was he was skeptical of the crossbow. <laughs> now she has like a a legal weapon. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a parody of like the the foam, the foam darts, the, like the nerf. I still think like it's really funny. <laughs> like once Hop Pop finds out that it's just like foam, he will probably be more chill about it. like oh. A projectile that doesn't that isn't painful or just a little painful <laughs> wait till wait till polly modifies it to fu- to fire up legos now that it would be painful Oof. <laughs> the ultimate weapon <laughs> lego guy it's funny if it did end up coming back i hope so i kind of hope so and of course uh, yeah i definitely noticed the the um the scene the the drawing of uh Anne's mom receiving the blue butterfly was Matt Brilly's style. It was done by Matt Brilly. Yeah, that made the as much as I would have liked to see the like the moment animated, at least it still got brought up and I'm not sure how like the animated version would I mean if it if this was animated, it still would have been a really nice moment, but at least seeing it in the credits and especially having it drawn by by Matt himself. Well, actually, I don't think Matt even drew it. Let me... Because I know in the credits, I know he's responsible for the colors, and it looks a lot like Matt's style. You think it was just like they purposely recreated his style? I, there's no way... It, it's, either, it's either a purposeful recreation or like Matt himself. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Matt. It just says end credits color design by Matt Brawley, but it doesn't mention anything about like the end card. End credit. Like Pro- maybe it could be drawing. in credits, comma color design. They probably they probably didn't just add that info, just like they didn't add Rebecca Sugar in the credits. Yeah, that was odd too. But which yeah, is a crime? Like... Yeah, why do you <laughs> can't do that? <laughs> yeah, like the art style looks a lot like like Matt. So like, I'm just assuming it's him. Yeah, yeah same. They just didn't credit him, just like Rebecca's song. Actually, now that I think about it, like. DTVA just never really list their like never really list featured songs in their credits. They don't do that, even if it's like a musical show like Molly McGee or Phineas and Ferb. They don't list the songs in the in the credits. Just the score and the theme song and the end credits. That's it. So we we don't even know the name of the song. Nope. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I was like searching the lyrics and like going through Rebecca Sugar's thing on Spotify. And it wasn't there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I 
Although, Again, like, we can, we can assume, although we can assume, like, the title of the song is Special Time of Year. Because it's the yeah, only, that's what I looked at. Yeah. The yeah, only that's lyric that's repeated throughout the song. So, yeah, yeah. it's a safe bet. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, what was your, what were your, shoot. I also, I want to talk about the credits, but I also want to talk about the song. I want, I just want to talk about the music in general quickly. Like, we heard Anne's, like, we heard a Christmassy version of Anne's theme at the parade, and then the Rebecca Sugar song, like, had that nice uh, instrumental version in the credits for the final, the yeah. final verse. Yeah, just, I mean, they really went all out with this one. Like, it's, I mean, it's, I just, I mean, I'm getting a little off topic, but it's just like, this really, 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 really does feel like a mid-season finale to me. Like, it's so weird they had another episode playing right after this, while it feels like they went all out with Froggy Little Christmas. Like, you have to imagine what they would have, you know, had right after this one. But, like, yeah, just going back to the music, just, yeah, all around, like, TJ, I mean, I don't really know who works on the music besides, like, TJ Hill, but, like, I'm going to say it's, like, you did an amazing job here. Like, this was just all around fantastic to just like sit down and listen to like I, I love like the holiday version of Anne's theme I, I love like I love Rebecca's song I love the end credits song I, I just I love every scene of music in here it was just great I'm and, just really yeah sorry Rad continue I'm just hoping that DJ Hill would release amphibia music again to SoundCloud because man <laughs> there's a lot of good music throughout season two and three, especially in this episode. And I don't know, I just really, really want to listen to them like, individually. Yeah, same. I just want Anne versus Wild music. <laughs> but that's, that, that's, that's, just, that's just a personal thing. But I'm just, I'm just really happy to, have to hear a Rebecca Sugar song that doesn't come from a bad show. Okay, okay Lemur. Anyways, Ayo. Um, <laughs> oh. We're gonna go. That's okay. On, on the top, okay. We're just gonna talk. Go, go right into the let the letters. Okay. I'm just gonna quickly bring up all the details here. And writing a letter, she's kind of unsure about herself. She's tried it multiple times, and and failed. We have the sprig, the action figure in the background, and then we find out that she's addressed a letter to. Marcy, Marcy's parents, and then Sausage's parents separately, which implies that they are not at the same location or same address. Uh, Would it feel right if we went over the rest of the letter before this specific part? Just because I know it's going to be a lot of talking. Yeah, so the entire letter is, I can't imagine spending the holidays without your family. I know how hard it is to be apart and know if you'll ever see each other again. So I'm ready to let you know that your daughter your daughter is still alive is alive. She's trapped in another world, but I promise I will bring her back home safe. Signed a friend. Okay, so that I'm just gonna quickly say, yeah, it seems that Anne is not completely ready to she she she's at least a little bit ready to at least tell the parents what's going on, but not from her st- not face to face. I know this is a moment a lot of people are waiting for, and we're surprised. Personally, I was surprised we got here, and I was like ready to like defend. Even without yeah. this, without without the scene, I was ready to defend this episode 
Yeah, yeah. So like Calvin Black. Yeah, it was all really a good episode. I was I was ready to like I was surprised too that I was in this. I I was not expecting like a scene like that to be in Froggy Little Christmas at all. But like, yeah, I was totally ready to like explain why this is still one of the best episodes yeah, they and, ever put out, even without I think, that scene. Since I I let you speak last for the other parts of this discussion, Nick, I'll let you like take the reins. Like, okay, what? How how are you feeling about this? I just like I don't know, like like uh, <laughs> like I am mighty honestly because like. I, I spent so many weeks trying to explain the cer- like just the, the specific direction they were going with season three Yang. Like, like just it is very in character for them to not want to mention this kind of stuff. Especially Anne, who we know she dodges touchy subjects like that. She hides in her like she holds in her feelings. She wants to avoid confronting extremely uncomfortable thoughts like that. Like it, it was the queen of compartmentalization. Yeah, even yeah, Matt said it himself too. And like, and I, and I really felt that that was their idea with this, um, with what they established in the new normal. Like, like, Anne would recite all the troublesome tasks she has to take on, but then act like there were nothing. You know, just trying to bottle all that up, act like it wasn't really there. And so, to get a scene like that, and and just to reconfirm my suspicions, it just. That, that is so satisfying. Like, that, that's what I was talking about with payoffs earlier. Like, this is, for me, this is the biggest payoff in Froggy Little Christmas. Because, like, just nine back-to-back weeks of trying to explain and make sense of, like, why, they're, why, you know, why they handled Season 3A the way they did. I mean, like, you would think that people would, like, understand why Anne is, like, never, never mentioned Sasha and Marcy. But no, people say that this is terrible writing or, like, people for... Or like the writers forgot about Marcy and Sasha, or like uh, the writers that aren't as good as they were back in season two or season one, or all this shit. It, it was it was frustrating. It was it was frustrating I, to me seeing it. Seeing it, it I think I, I I can't even imagine what it's like for you who is actively trying to argue against that. Just. I mean, now it, it just feels satisfying to know that I was right. <laughs> like, yeah, it great like, I was right. you were, like, we, you were right all along. Like, we know, we know this is just what's going to happen, but to see it, like, unfold in this yeah. movie is so much more satisfying. I can I mean, understand yeah. why people would be upset that someone would, like, not talk about it all, because the, the fans are all hungry for Sasha and Marcy content. I think they're the main characters, all that. And... They're in- well, but also, on yeah. top of that, there's, like, the whole idea of coming straight from that finale. So much attention was placed on that friendship between the girls. But the thing is, people were, like, assuming that it was, like, the crew wasn't going to address it. Or, like, it was not a purposeful decision by the crew not to address it. And was instead them just, like, mistakenly, or not mistakenly writing it off or something. Yeah, just when it was like a purposeful uh, decision to pretend that wasn't there. It was obvious. It was, and at least in my perspective, it was obvious from the new normal that this was going to be a denial thing. Yeah, plus just like, so so many takes just based off bad faith. Like, 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 like there was there was never. I, I rarely ever saw someone just thinking, "Oh, okay, they have some kind of grand plan of this." No, it, it was always the most negative interpretations of season three that you'd find like it just yeah I, I, it, it's, it's just great to know that like 
my suspicions, my thoughts, my arguments are just like they were right. Like it, it's yeah. great. It's, it's it's just great to know that. Yeah, this is like now... this is, I was sorry about this, but like as I was gonna say, like this is why people should learn to say let it play out. Like they know what they're doing. Like we've known the show for like the longest time, and like like even if it stumbles a couple of times like they nail what they're they're like we always know that they always have a plan and we just have to be patient and to see it unfold and paid off like this is great pickle what are you gonna say i'm gonna say even now the whole like everything about her writing the letter and the letter itself just screams of like insecurity and super uncomfortable addressing this topic like the amount of time she had to rewrite the letter just like her expression with the whole like uncomfortable eye twitchiness and signing it a friend just like not even being able to put her name down yeah like because they aren't they're trying not to but it's just like her doing it alone and her she's just like shying away and even now she's hiding from it yeah, yeah. Besides, like, besides giving me the right to be smug, it is like an amazing scene all, its, all, all on its own. Like, it's just like, a bunch of tiny details that we could just like talk for like hours for. But yeah, I really do agree. I also, really do agree with you there. Oh, oh, go ahead. She's like, I think the letter was also a bit of comfort to herself. Like, I know how scary it is to not be able to spend time with this person, but I promise they're going to be home safe. Also, like, uh, I wonder and- if she's talking to herself a bit there. Yeah, I Anne think she is, definitely is. Anne is yeah. assuming that Marcy is alive, even though she has she has no idea if that's true or not. Yeah, you can yeah. still see that. Yeah, you can still see that playing out in this scene too. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I mean, and I think like yeah, it, it really just tells you, like like the fact that it came up in this episode, like right after Anne Anne's relationship with her parents like reached the point even greater, but. Even greater than like before she le- um yeah before she got kidnapped or sorry not kidnapped the, the, the disappeared into the family, whatever but like it's I don't it it's just it really just tells you that like part of these first nine episodes was just to, to build back up Anne's strength her, her resolve to really confront these things again because what she really needed after all of those traumatizing events was just to relax and just go back to her family and like. That, that that's what really happened here like the fact that she could find people again that she could count on you know just depend on really 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 see people who could like be there for her like that's what at least pushed her to take the first step forward in confronting something like this yeah and, and, I know, that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. and that's basically that's basically what 3a is all about it's not you can't just like people wanted the show to go straight ahead and like move the plot forward to get back to Amphibia just as quick as possible. Not really not really taking into account that trying to do that would hurt a lot of Anne's character, you know? So 3A is all about trying to recu- trying to is all about trying to recuperate Anne, like you said. Like this is supposed to be where she takes her time to rebuild herself to trust this to trust other people again and to rekindle that relationship that she had with her parents like this is all about catching up while catching up fixing things fixing fixing things that are wrong in the past like her parents 
while also learning to trust again with people like Ter, with Dr. Jan, with the Thai community, with the IT gals, with Terry. Like they are all that they are all so important because in their own unique way, because they help recuperate Anne's character. They not only to reconnect with Earth again, but to trust people again. And when that and when she's done with that, then she's ready to confront her, to confront the bigger picture. And again, like it's kind of it's kind of sad that people don't really see that way. But I'm really happy that they're finally going through that. It, they they finally unfolded their objective with this with three A, and I think they did it very well. Yeah, it is just yeah, like I a think... fantastic scene all around. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, finish your thought, Nick. Just, ah, just just like a great scene right there. All, all, I mean, it's just like what did because yeah, you really are right about the lemur. Like this, this one scene is what cli- like if the new normal wasn't enough to like shape like everyone's expectations for season three A, then it was probably a little Christmas that really clarified what they went for here. Like, this was, like we said, like, recuperation for Anne, and also her just trying to forget everything that happened back in Amphibia, which is why we got, like, episodes where she went to the, I mean, yeah, where she went to the mall, the planters, the movies, where she just, in general, just enjoyed her time with them. Like, that was, part of that was, like, her, part of her motivation there was just to, like, you know, feel freaking happy again. Just actually feel happy with all this baggage weighing down on her. And now that she feels stronger, it's, you know, she's starting to take those steps forward here. Yeah, 3A is where Anne learned to slow down a bit. Like, yeah, she's still, like, she's still trying to look for answers. But now she's not doing it on her own. Like, again, she has other people now. With, like, Dr. Jan, Terry, IT gals, her parents, her Thai, the Thai community. She's not doing this all alone now. So, like... Even if she's still, even if she is trying to find a way back to Amphibia, again, she's not alone anymore. She doesn't need to do everything herself. She doesn't need to stress, to put all the stress in the world in her shoulders anymore. Because she has a support system, other than the planters, that she can rely on right now. And that's, and that's what she needed before she has to go back. Yeah. I gotta wonder though. Oh, sorry, the one, like she's it, this definitely solidified her working together with her family and the planners, but she still has that. Like I was talking about, she did the letters alone, and I wonder if that's gonna be like another one on the pile of. Ooh yeah. All of that, and I wonder if like the woos and the wave rates are just gonna show up, and she's gonna have to like do damage control. Because I, I think it's I think the reason why she did those letters alone is just because it's 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 a conflict unique to herself. Like she thinks that she is like like yeah, like all the other issues, fighting to amphibia, getting her getting the planets back home, saving the world, that's she 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 first thought it was only she could do it on her own. But she now she has other people to have but now she realized she doesn't need to do all those things alone because she has again 
without new allies and her family. But on the on the subject of Marcy and Sasha, it's she does think that it's her conflict, it's her problem because she's the only person who really does know more about those about them. Well, I gotta say, like already being covered and will probably be covered in the future, her not having to face all this alone. Yeah, I think that's gonna be what three ten or three B in general is gonna be about. Oh, I so you no, you should finally get your point out. I don't even been trying to say something for a while now. No, no, no. Like I, I was being a little patient because I know you guys were waiting for this, so I just oh, want to yeah. let you guys get that all out. I'm just pulling up my notes uh, for this part. <laughs> I just really, we didn't really like talk about like the circumstances of this. I mean, we we talked about what it meant for him, but I guess we can like no, no, no. That's, that's speculation. That's, for later, that's yeah. what that's what I was expecting. No, okay. yeah, that's that's like I think there's two sides in that uh on that letter scene, which is. One relating to Anne, and the other one, you know, yeah, like the, the other thing. Yeah. Like, I guess you guys want to talk about Sasha a little bit, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait. What I'll no, hold off, no, hold no. Say. no, 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 no. Let you go. No, no, no. Because like, I, I'm more a little bit big, big picture of everything. Okay. I, I don't want to. I, I guess to start off, just to start off the Sasha conversation. Yeah, like it, it does seem like. The only reason they would have separate letters addressing Mr. and Mrs. Waybright is probably because, like, they are divorced. And, or they're separated. Or separated of some kind. And, yeah, I think that that will kind of inform... That's going to play an effect, effect on how, like, how we understand Sasha and, like, where she's coming from and whatnot. And what kind yeah. of life she had before Amphibia. Yeah, I, so, I will say... Uh, like, what you said is literally what I feel about Sasha after every after this scene because like this is def af this one nugget of information literally put everything about Sasha's character in another perspective in full circle. Like it completed her character. It's the missing piece. To finally understand Sasha's character. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's the like the missing piece until we get like the actual like until we get Sasha herself. The actual. But I piece. would say it does. Yeah. It does like it does inform us a lot about about like her desires for attention or make control in some way. Yeah, I mean, which like, I mean, th yeah. this is before like, like I. I kind of don't want to get too like too analytical about like this kid and just like how like it probably affect her when the show is eventually gonna cover it. But yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like I think yeah, you can. There's still there's still a bunch there's still a bunch of missing details. But like from that scene alone, I think you could pretty much speculate Sasha's entire char character entirely if you wanted to. Yeah, I think I mean, we're definitely getting about we're not getting the full picture yet, but it's definitely about like 70% of the full picture. Like with her parents being divorced or separated, then it explains a lot. It explains Sasha's need for control a lot. Why she desperately wants this friendship to stick. 
I think it also might explain a bit of maybe you're better off without me. Like how her immediate reaction to a hurt is to think, okay, time to separate. Or like, Mm. or like, how is, or like her in the Battle of the Bands where she's like, this isn't working, I'm gonna leave. Or like, there's, there's other options, there's like other, there's another example that I'm forgetting. Or how she's so dismissive about Anne spending time with her family back in Reunion. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh god, I've I've been expecting uh, Sasha. Maybe not to have. I I don't. I don't think it's gonna be some horrible abusive sob story that's supposed to excuse all of her behaviors. Oh yeah, not at all. I really really hope it isn't. I really. I don't think Matt would do that. He said things in the past about like being against that sort of thing, but. Um, uh, yeah. I've definitely been a lot of her behavior and stuff. Like it would make sense how she how she mocks Anne's family in reunion so much, and how she simply just seems to not understand why Anne would care about family so much, or with the frogs being her family and prioritizing friendship over family so much. Ooh, it definitely yeah. puts things into perspective, and something that I've been thinking about for a while is. If yeah, Sasha's family might just not be there for her, and so she can't really understand how family could be so important. Yeah. Or just not be the, the, the most healthy part of her life. Uh, I mean, damn. I mean, also, that, that's a good point. Like, yeah, I think you guys really are right. Like, like that, that, that small moment right there where you can tell that they are, like, her parents are divorced. Like, it does add, like, a lot of neat context to Sasha's character. But I think, like, what I, what I really appreciate out of this is just the fact that they're, like, but they're normal people, right? They aren't like they aren't like super villains or anything that like some people are expecting. Like, it, like it, a Dahlia. It, it, like, yeah, like a, like it, it adds context to Sasha's character, but it doesn't like explain everything about her, right? Because because it, it, it's really just what I enjoy out of this. It's just the fact that like who Sasha is, it, it is still like an amalgamation of her choices. And, and of her choices and just what she decided to do for herself at this point. And I, and I like the fact that, yeah, it, it does provide like another layer to her character. It, 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 it like nicely adds to it, but it's not like, you know, it's, it's not what completely defines her. And that, that's what I really enjoy out of this. Yeah. Like I've been saying, I've been saying this for the longest time, but like, I really don't understand people trying to villainize Sasha just because she's a lot meaner than like, the other characters i guess i always expected her to have more something going on deeper than the surface level like maybe she had like a terrible like a very conflicted past that forced her to do to pick the choices that she did that she did and like having a having having her be a daughter of a broken family really puts a lot of perspective. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, she never really, I, she never I, I, really I did wrong. I don't want to say, I don't want to say a broken family, just like, because we know, like, at least in the US, like, I think PC brought up how the divorce, like, the, the separation I, Yeah, like, 50%. 50%. I, I so know. It just, like, it just, it didn't work out, like. Yeah, but still, like, I think by definition, it's still a family that isn't you know 
it isn't full you know they're separated like it's not, it doesn't have a mother it doesn't have a father so technically it's not really like i could say it didn't this family it didn't work out but i wouldn't say it needs it wouldn't it wouldn't say it's not complete if the split was like agreed on by both ends and just like but you yeah you could say like yeah sasha was definitely maybe like the struggle to adapt to this like she, new situation yeah i guess she never really had like an actual like whole family like she never really had because all because she, i guess she never really had uh the the pleasure of of like having a good family life because again like she she never really had like i mean yeah she did have a father and mother but now they're gone and now she's she's trying to cope on that new reality but her way of coping isn't the best Maybe. Yeah, I think like I mean, yeah, I think the divorce definitely explains her whole like rebellious streak. Just her like always acting out, ignoring authority, just you know, disrespecting in general. I think like I, I, I mean, I have like I don't have any experience of it really myself, but like I, I guess like yeah, I mean, I don't. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think anything too drastic really happened for him. I, I'm just thinking it's like what Thump said. Like, it's just sort of like, like things just didn't work out between her parents. And I think like, you know, she just, she never quite felt okay after that. And part of her character is sort of like, you know, like, like what you said, like dealing with it in like the wrong way. Yeah. I don't think Sasha has never let go of the idea of her, of her parents separating. I do hope that uh isn't like everything like i can understand it it's definitely gonna be important but i hope that it's not like everything it doesn't explain everything i hope it's still like you know her actions her choices i hope there's it's not gonna be like a this is the this is where everything went wrong even if like there are choices made after that initial point i hope it's like she was already a little bit like this or there's other factors that play into it because things aren't gonna be Things are never that simple, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, sorry, Brad. Oh yeah, yeah. I think if there's one thing that I can take away from Amphibia is that nothing is clear cut. There is no black and white. And I think that's what the fandom has been struggling to wrap around their head because because they see things in black and white. You know, before this, you see a lot of theories about. Sasha's parents being abusive or you know Marcy being evil or whatever but but I don't think but there's always more layers to it and oftentimes it's more subtextual like they don't make it too obvious but once you take a deeper look into it like it all makes sense yes and like I think I think there's another part that I think the other thing that makes me happy that about this is that not this wouldn't really work out as well if Sasha herself didn't decide didn't want to change but we now know that she does want to change like she no, she now realizes her what she has been doing has been wrong 
with Turning Point. And combining that episode and with this, I think it's really safe to say that season three is where we're really going to see Sasha finally develop as really shine in the show. Like, like we said, like season two is where we Marcy is taking a major role in in that season. This season, it's gonna be Sasha, Sasha's redemption, Sasha's path of redeeming herself and making herself better is definitely going to be one of the biggest stories of the season, and I can't wait for it. All right, now that we're getting into, now that we're getting into like big picture stuff, I just kind of want to like give a few more thoughts about how, like the trajectory, the trajectory, trajectory we're at now. Now that we're like we're done three A, quote unquote, and I guess. Like as much as I joke about like the show being about Anne and the planners and like that's more important. That's 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 the most important thing above all else. It's just I guess starting with starting with Froggy Little Christmas, it's just this episode was not designed to be the mid season finale. So and that that was because it was episode that was meant to be episode ten, another twenty-two minute episode. So Froggy Little Christmas really had this really enormous task of being like a truly satisfying like culmination of the episodes before without even being assigned that task in mind. And like but before the episode even aired, like I had no idea like whether or not like Disney wanted this to be free run friendly or how involved Andreas was going to be in the plot or whether like Marcy and Sasha were even going to be mentioned. And then we kind of had all these things like fall together and just by like a Christmas miracle it it like I don't think we'll really know whether or not this was a perfect season, mid-season finale until we see episode 10 and how that plays out. Because for all we know, like, episode 10 could just have this, like, absolutely bonkers, like, ending. And then instead of waiting, like, five months, we just have to wait a week. And whether or not we were robbed of that moment by a couple of letters on the desk, which, which, uh, not, <laughs> which is an insult. It's like, I know, I know the significance of these. We'll just have to find out soon. I'm kind of sad in the moment because you know I want more content. I'm not ready for another six month hiatus. Yeah, but, but then, but then we're going to get episode ten. We're gonna probably think like, oh man, we don't need to wait. But it would have been so much nicer if we did. <laughs> but yeah, because then we, now we get uh, like honest... eleven episodes instead of instead of ten in that last yeah. last segment of all of Amphibia forever. Wow. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like having Frog Little Christmas be our final calm before the storm is a perfect way to end three A because I don't think they I don't think they want the fandom to end to I don't think they want to end this batch with a cliffhanger. I just don't. That's just gonna be more pain for us because like 
we want answers, but we have to wait like six more months or something. I don't think they want us to do that. So I pushing guess three ten aside to like to be the opener for three B that just that mentally prepares us for the for the roller coaster that is just it's gonna be, be something like episodes. with the season finale as a season opening it's just gonna be like hitting us right away mm-hmm. yeah bam slap in the yeah. face yeah Here's I, I, I like, finale. yeah we can be I'm, emotionally prepared that's all i'm gonna say yeah with, with everything froggy little christmas packed in like yeah I'm, I'm, i feel like yeah this is really for the best like this is like this feels like they wrote like, how was this not the mid-season finale? Like, I'm starting to question that. With, like, with the change what credits, are they too. Like, like, what, what are they going to Yeah, what are they going to top this with? Because they usually, they go out with a bang with the mid-season finales. And, like, I'm... Was this not them going out with a bang? Like, were they just, like... I, I, can, think like, I can think of a few... I can think of a few things that they can pack in 310, but we were, I'm going to discuss that. I mean, there's bit. the whole the whole invasion that's probably going to happen, like, literally next episode. I, I guess I just wanted to continue off with, like, my point, but I appreciate, like, your thoughts. Like, I guess when Nick mentioned, like, how the seasons end off with a bang, the, I, I don't think that was really the case. And I think the reason... Originally, I was worried that this hiatus would be a lot more painful, because it wouldn't be... The, the the checkpoint feeling of toe tax slash prison break or sleepboard and all sleepovers and a day a day at the aquarium like that 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 be, teased be what was in store that that teased what was in store for the second like halves of their seasons not not too much but like it did give us like enough to like to actually speculate the trajectory which I don't think froggy little christmas did which is fine because at least it just kind of reinforced everything we knew so far but didn't really like give that little like that little spark of an idea to like keep us entertained for a few months which which is still which which, it's okay like that I, i don't see that as a negative but then i guess in the grand scheme of things i'm worried that i'm not worried i'm just curious to see how whether or not these episodes are going to have a mixed reception or not going forward and whether or not when episode 10 comes like when episode 10 comes around it's going to be part of like the final batch of amphibia episodes we're not going to really i think it's important to remember that episode 10 is probably going to be the culmination of everything prior rather than like the start of everything going forward or that's what it was designed in mind but now that's changed like how much how much is that going to affect like the overall trajectory of like all these episodes we've had on earth where it's not going to seem it shouldn't be seen episode 10 shouldn't be seen as like a course correction it should just be seen as like a continuation of well everything on like people shouldn't be shouldn't people shouldn't go into episode 10 thinking oh it's finally like the plot the plot's finally picking up it's rather it's just like this is what everything on earth was meant to set up and yeah i know i know we're thinking okay 
we're going into three B thinking, okay, we're going to get a little bit more about Sasha, which we which we will. And I know throughout the season we kind of got there was a lot of uh thoughts about how Marcy and Sasha now because in season one and two, I think people understood the idea that we couldn't really see too much of Sasha and Marcy because they didn't really reach the same uh same journey as Anne, so we couldn't really what? We couldn't we couldn't have we couldn't have them at that point at, at the point of season two. We couldn't see them too much or else they wouldn't really change that much. And they had to they kind of had to fail for the show to proceed and for Anne to react. And hmm. I'm just I'm thinking about how the, the change in setting for three A was a lot about how it, it kind of brought me back to when, when Matt talked about his trips to Bangkok, about how like there's like the discomfort of a, like a new feeling, like the new place. I think Earth really like going back to Earth was was that same kind of feeling. And then what we didn't really expect was that Anne would have the opportunity to go back to Amphibia again. And this could also like reflect like another return trip to Bangkok for Matt. And everything has like already changed. Everything's radically changed. And he's starting off at, you're starting off at square one again. About like getting yourself like updated on new events and what's happening with everyone. And I really think Anne's gonna go back to the way Anne came back to Earth and everyone had to adjust to her return, Anne is going back to Amphibia and she has to adjust with everything that's changed in Amphibia. It's that new fresh out of water, fish out of water discomfort. Especially when Sasha's there and Sasha has, Sasha, we're going to have to see we might have to deal with Sasha growing without us being able to see it. And then part of the show is going to be Anne having to accept that. And the challenge of that, and I think I feel like some people are not going to be totally on board with that, and totally they're not they're not going to be too satisfied with seeing the other girls having their own journeys happen, I guess without us actually seeing them. But it's just like a reality we have to see that we have, we have to deal with people where we last saw where we last left off with people may have not been the best of terms, but then eventually like seeing them again, we have to like acknowledge that they've, that they've changed without us actually being there. And like, and what ha- whatever happens at the end of the series, like I'm 300, like I'm 300% sure it involves the girls being on the same planet. So like in the worst case where the reconciliation or the satisfaction of the journey they went on wasn't didn't really we didn't really get to see that like we always knowing that they're on the same planet is it's always gonna there's always gonna be a chance for that reconciliation to happen and and this is this is a worst case scenario and then but like at the same time that can't be said about the planners and Anne. so if if it's if the end game is Anne saying goodbye to them forever or for like a very long time like we it was kind of very crucial to see the planners get to explore Earth, get to experience their best selves on Earth, where whether it's like Polly like 
Polly like getting a new getting a new like idea of what she wanted to be or hop up. Same thing with hop up too, being an actor, and then Sprig. I guess Sprig just like being actually able to have his own like have his own new experience is going to like reflect on him for the rest of his life the same way it has for Anne. And I think if we didn't have that and with the way the show's with the way with the way the show seems to be setting up the idea that these like the connection between these worlds isn't going to be like as easily passable as like other shows that it was absolutely you absolutely had to have the planners here you had to have them go you ha- you had to have hop hop like thinking about his like life as an actor you needed to have Spring being a superhero and, f- and have that kind of wish fulfillment before before saying goodbye basically i think that is more the most important thing going forward and I, I'm glad that we had it in 3A rather than 3B where it's going to pretty much address everything else. <laughs> I, per- I agree with pretty much everything you said. Like I I basically I basically cope or well not cope. I basically accepted the idea that the girl, like Sasha and Marcy and individuals individual adventures we're never really the focus of the show, and like most people will presume to believe, and I can't really blame them. But I, I, I have always accepted the idea of the planters that the show has always been about the planters and Anne, and uh, so it's and again, like I really, so I, I wasn't really bothered with the idea of you know the planters, uh, the planters being stuck. Of just of us spending like, I guess, um, eighteen segments with the planters and Anne, or seventeen, I guess. But yeah, and even then, like, the planters really changed a lot in season three. Like, not only did they had like, not only did they experience a brand new world where they can't. <laughs> You've been talking for well. Only experience a world where they don't where they, where they don't have to fear of being killed with like ravenous creatures, but they also but they also finally like ex- learn new experiences, like what you said, like hop up, having new having a new passion of directing, while also finally letting go of his dream of being an actor. Polly changed a lot in this season, like she's. I can definitely say that Polly is the most developed of the planters in the season so far. Like with with, two, with HP being number two, because she had legs. She she became she had a new she had a new pursuit, new passion, which is mechanics, technology. She has new friends, and Sprig just gets to be a kid, and I really like it. And I and speaking of uh about, about about Sasha and Marcy and how we will never really see much about their adventures, we never. I also accepted that probably the next time we see Sasha, she's gonna be, she's gonna be a better, probably a better person, and working with Wardwood, 
I mean, it would kind of suck that we don't see it happen, but for the sake of the show to be better, as long as we see them become better people, I think that's what is most important at the grand scheme of things. Same with Marcy. I guess, Nick, did you actually, Nick seems to be AFK for the, at the moment, oh. but... Oh, no, oh, okay. I'm, here, I'm here. No, I he's guess... been listening. Yeah, okay. I, I, just, I just mean to myself so I didn't want so I can like accidentally interrupt you guys. So you guys had like a lot of good points, but uh, uh go ahead, like what were we gonna say? Oh, well, I was just gonna ask, like how how would you feel going to three B like what do what do you think is most important to you for three B to land? For me, <laughs> I mean, you're putting me on the spot. On that's a good question, actually. I want to hear this. All our hopes wow. and dreams. Actually, okay, just just, See, one, just name because, one thing. Just one thing. Um, damn, goddamn. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know because, like, I think because, like, I, I know, I think, I, know I, think, I think, what for me, for me, they need to have. The character arcs and in a, every I think the character arcs need to end in a satisfying way. Like that's for me. Even, even if the plot ends up being like, even if it could, even if the plot could end up like being messy. What to me, what got me hooked on the series were the characters. So I think if anything needs to land by the end, it is absolutely the character arcs. Like if anything needs to be solid, it is that. Like that that is the hook of this that is like amphibious bread and butter. You know, it's it's great complicated characters. Like we need those to all land by the end. Like that's why I think I cannot be like screwed up. Yeah, expanding on that, I think like ever since Darcy was introduced, my main concern was if was if it's, it was whether or not it's gonna take away from Marcy's arc or how long are they gonna explore that. So but I think with how with how they're handling you know the core and Marcy's personality split I think they're gonna do a good job of like balancing those two things but I just hope and I, I don't I don't want to sound like a doomer because I think I have faith that they're gonna do her character or justice but you know that's just been my main concern since Dorsey was introduced. But yeah, yeah, that's fine, Rad. Like, I think that's something a lot that's on our mind a lot in terms yeah. of Marcy's development. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, just just going off what you guys said before. I, th- I think when it comes to how like they handled Sasha and Marcy's screen time, I really do agree with you guys. But they had like a very intend. They they had it a very intended idea for those two characters right like the first two seasons they didn't exactly grow or improve in any significant way so the show didn't exactly need them to appear as frequently as the planters or like really any character more would like in general like they had a very intended use for them and they did what they needed to with that and they like landed it very solidly so like i, I have like zero complaints with that but like with season three i mean i i mean i, I think yeah i I don't think they're. I don't, but if something meets Sasha again, I, I don't think like she'll be hugely changed personally. Because I think like with the fact that she's going to be featured heavily in like 
you know, season three being, I, I think they're planning on like sort of having your like, you know, I mean, I, I, th- I do sort of do that piece by piece development they had with Anna and the, with Anna and the planters, but like, obviously not as like significant, but like, I think it's definitely going to be there. Honestly, with Marcy, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure with how, how things will go with Marcy. Um, it, I think it'll still work out somehow, but like, I don't know, but you know, for what you guys said, I, I think like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure which one I would like prioritize more myself, really, because like this was like something like the I trio know. getting more focused with them. That, that was like something like, that's just been, just been like a long time coming. Like I feel like that's what's really going to be like the huge emotional weight for season three. Be I feel like. I mean, I know I know we've said this privately, but I know like I I prioritize. Yeah. Yeah, you prioritize <laughs> planters, yes. I, I prioritize the planters above like anything, everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I understand the the desire for Anne to have that with the girls. Because since that's like Yeah. That's what like, started the series, but like And that's and that's pretty much like the entire hook of like the new people on this show. Like they don't really look they don't really watch the show because of these frog these gross frog freaks. They want the I girls. Mean, I just Hmm. I just see how, like, the way Amphibia's setting has always changed. Like, season one was Warwood. Season two was Amphibia. Uh, not Amphibia. Season two was, like, Newtopia. And then, like, the temples. And season three is Earth. It seems like that sense of something new, like, that new ev- event. This is definitely, like, an adventure show, like, without a doubt. Like, the show is always chasing, like, a new setting for the characters to be in. And then, like, what was constant in season two is that we eventually got back to Warwood. So, like, of course, we're season three is not gonna. Of course, season three is gonna have us like getting back to Warwood, and like, there's always that like home. Warwood was like the home base. Yeah, and then the especially only constant that, thing of the show is Warwood. I like that actually, and, and I do. Th- I do think that part of episode ten, or even. 3B in general is them going back to Warwood and dealing with the fact that it can't be constant anymore. Especially when we saw how, like, the, the robots know where Sasha and Grime are now. Yes. And, like, and, and since the castle is, like, floating in the sky and they're advancing, it's, it's only a matter of time before they finally reach Frog Valley. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, that's also going to play in part of, like, the show's theme of just, like, kind of dealing with this, like, new, getting thrown into this new situation and just, like, having to readjust yourself, even if you've been there before. Yeah. I think that's been, like, the big, the biggest thing that Amphibia's always been about. Honestly, like, as long as, as long as all the characters got all of their endings Got all get all satisfying endings like the planters and Sasha Marcy. I'll be okay on how the show ends. Like as long as they're as long as they get the endings that they deserve, I'll be I'll be okay with what's happening. I feel like the dream scenario here would be if the the show ended up combining the 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 um the girls arc the whole relationship between them and the planners like similar to what they did season one finale where 
Sasha breaking it off with sorry, Anne breaking it off with Sasha coincided with the with Spring and Anne like accepting each other as family basically. Or they already were before, but like it's that was when it was really solidified. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they do something similar cuz like honestly most of the the relationship arc between Anne and the planners has been finished. Like it, does that make sense how I'm Yeah, that and yeah. like yeah, that and uh the planters individual arcs too. HB Polly yeah. and Sprig. But I could see actually it tying in the Boon Choys. Like the end of the Boon Choy Planner arc would be then when they're like a cohesive family, including the the Boon Choys, the planners, all together one unit and Anne's friendships coincide with that being like solidified and finished off. I gotta say, the, the idea of, like, a fully developed Sasha scares me a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Why? Actually, wait, I want to hear this. Why, Pickle? Well, just all that, like... All that all the eggs intense already. She's already so this. intense. Imagine that, but, like, 100% here to support. Oh. I, oh, uh, I can't, it kind of grosses me out, Michael, out of here. Wait, it's what? so much. I, like, it kind of grows me. I'm excited. Like, I don't want to see Sasha like that. If I'm being honest, I don't think I'm ready. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, what? I don't I think actually, I'm ready. I don't. I haven't. I haven't heard that. Can wait, you repeat actually, that again? Or like how Anna kind of says it's gonna get cosmic. Like, what is even gonna happen? Because Sasha is so high energy, and like combining her with like a big, because all the like angry and sad stuff is like a bunch of negative downers and so it feels more like a low point but at a high point high energy like in the super big climax it's just like a lot going on you know yes I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, yeah honestly i'm just scared just, and excited i just want to see all the girls to be okay and marcy and even sasha hell i'm actually rooting for sasha now after this episode i want her to be happy really who doesn't a lot of people <laughs> well those people can suck an egg yeah i, I guess <laughs> I just, I, 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 i'm actually rooting for sasha after this and like again i as for me, as long as all of the characters finally had satisfying endings to their character arcs, I'll be okay no matter what happens at the end. Same. I just want closure. Yeah. Yeah, I just want the closure. Like, as long as they're okay, I'm okay. I think with that, we can start to wrap up. I, I'm just going to go through everyone. For, if there's any final thoughts you want to let out i guess starting with rad is there anything any final thoughts yeah i think i've said everything i want to say really just just with you know season 3a uh like being anxious about well not being an like anxious but like i've always had i've always been optimistic about how season 3a will play out but you know I, like i see people being anxious all the time about you know the direction is going and losing faith in math, uh, and I'm just, I'm just really glad that Froggy Little Christmas is as satisfying as it is and provides this many payoffs and it just 
just makes me really just makes me really feel vindicated it vindicates a lot of people who are like us who are who are not doomers where we're, we have faith in math because you know math is always believed in structure so i think to i think to doubt him this much was just with that knowledge in mind was just weird but uh, it's 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 silly it it really is um yeah i think that's it all right thank you rad uh lemur any quick final thoughts uh yeah i'm gonna echo what uh rad said um froggy little christmas even if it isn't intended to be like a mid-season finale it did it did so many good things right like it's i think you can definitely i think this is like the kind of episode that you can put you can view in a lot of lenses as an amphibia fan, you can see this as a wholesome Christmas episode that also ties a lot of the stuff that we've seen in season one, not season one, season three, together, while also while also while also developing and anticipating us for the immediate future of season three, and might possibly be the final episodes of season three of the show. Um, I'm just, and I'm just very happy that this episode pretty much solidified 3A as a genuinely great season. It's, it paid off a lot of stuff and it definitely, and it put, and put everything together as the perfect calm before the storm. And I'm just really satisfied with this episode. It's, it's great. And I and as much as I can't wait for seat for three B, I would be. I don't mind waiting because, if anything, I we're we're gonna start off three B in a big way, and I, and I can't, and I wanted I won't need to worry about what's going to happen in the future. I still, I may still have a couple of, a little worries, but I. But I'm 99%, I'm 100% sure that whatever happens, it's going to be satisfying. All right. Thank you, Lemur. Uh, Pickle, final thoughts. I just think this really delivered. If this wasn't even supposed to be the mid-season finale, I'm just so excited on where this goes. I think we're hitting that point in how every season of Amphibia is like, Everyone's like, oh, this is slow. And then suddenly it's like a curve straight up right into lots of action and lots of stuff going on fast paced. And that's always the moment that I love. It's just really delivering for me. And I'm very excited to see what happens next. All right. Thank you, Pickle. Nick, final thoughts? Um, damn. I mean, I don't know. Just all around, like, even so, this technically is the midseason finale. I'm like, yeah. for me, this is the midseason finale. Just all around, like a fantastic way to close off season three A. Just payoff after payoff after payoff for this episode just makes me just feel really rewarded. It makes me feel genuinely like just super rewarded for still having like faith in the show. Just, 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 just like 
knowing my just like thinking myself that like yeah I, they know what they're doing they wouldn't screw up with this blah 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 like it, it really did feel like this episode was a huge reward for me like all around i'm just i don't, I don't know how to describe it otherwise besides me just saying i'm satisfied like i'm just fully satisfied like there's nothing more i want from this episode like i am fully prepared for whatever comes in the future of the show like i am super looking forward to season 3b now just with everything i probably look christmas set up so like yeah just sum it all up i'm just i'm super happy all right thank you nick and yeah with that we can pretty much wrap that pretty much concludes this week's recording i guess moving forward since we're in the hiatus now we'll I know we still have a few weeks left before like the holiday season really wraps really ramps up so I can probably I think we got most of our theorizing out I'll probably we'll, we can probably go back to uh Snow Day and cracking Mrs. Croker next week we'll, Ooh, we'll actual the actual best episodes of the show I, I guess it depends on like I'll look at the discussion in the chat and see how we're doing for theorizing whatnot if, if if we still need to get more thoughts out maybe i'll dedicate some time sometime next year but i guess we can go back to the season one format and yeah i think that'll be a nice change of pace but with that like if you if you like this recording and you like listening to us talk for almost three hours you can like we're available on wherever wherever you can get podcasts from we're on youtube we're on anchor spotify google podcasts whatever we're we're probably there that's how this anchor app thing works and if you if you like listening to this just be sure to share and i don't want to say like and subscribe because i really don't <laughs> I, I was really about don't, to say it. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't give a shit about that. But it's fine. Like if you don't like, like and subscribe, it, boys. If you, if you want, if you, get... if you want this, if you want to keep this podcast a niche thing, and yeah, just don't, just don't tell anyone. Just hold it to your chest, hidden yeah. away from everyone else. Whatever, whatever makes you happy, I'm fine with that. But uh, thanks for tuning in, and see you guys next time. <laughs>